Hey, damn guys. Welcome to Book Club Member Comics. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Lovelace. And I'm Danielle. Hey, damn guys. Hey. It's Book Club Time. What? No one told book me it was club Book time. Club Time. Yes. This is our Book Club podcast. We're reading comics. We're talking to our friends, and now Danielle's going to tell you all about it. Aww, I'm going to tell you all about it. We are going to read a thing. We'll tell you what we're going to read, and you'll also read it. And uh, then we'll talk about what we read, and you'll listen to us talking about what we read, and then you'll talk about what we talked about when we talk about what we read. That's a hey, dumb guys. You're going to send us an email or a type a, type a note of some kind. Clackety-clack. Clackety-clack on a typewriter and, and, and type it out and then put it in a little glass bottle and throw it into the sea. Don't do that. Don't do that. Send us a... Virtual bit. sea. Yeah. Then the virtual sea, the internet, it's it's bad. But get on there. You should. And talk to us on there. It's fine. And then we'll we'll talk about what you talked about when you talked about us talking about what we read. And that's a friendship. And that's a book club. Back to you, John. Yes. Excellent. Thank you so much. On our last episode, uh, two weeks ago, we did a commentary. Did we? And uh, so our, our listener feedback has filled up quite a bit. So I thought we'd go right to it and we could go to our listener feedback. Listener feedback. Listener feedback. From the feedback. Yes. From the feedback. You read a story. We talk about it. You hate them guys us. And it's a book club. Get out. All right. We heard from Robert Newnham. Rummage around in there and find Robert Newnham. Yeah, book club member. That's right. We have a voicemail from Robert. Do we? Yes, I'm going to play it. Hey, you damn guys. A lot's happened in the last week. Not all of it good, I'm afraid. Mm. I got scammed and had two of my accounts stolen. Oh, no. I won't say which ones, but I contacted support and managed to get both of them back, which is a huge relief. That's good. In the meantime, I watched Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I think my favorite line was probably, I find irony is a blade that cuts he who wields it most especially. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> now, I hope you're not completely sick of hearing me talk about Star Wars, because I have news. Hopefully you read the other email, but yesterday my signed hardback copy of Supernatural Encounters arrived, which nice. is the book that my friend Joe wrote. Aww. I mentioned that he was at LegendsCon, and that I'd elaborate when I had time. Well, his main panel was about this, and from what I hear, he was very popular. Yeah. It's roughly a thousand pages long, and it's been described as the Silmarillion of Star Wars. Wow. He wow. was actually interviewed by Kyle and Lisa on the Legends Library podcast, oh, if you're curious. By the way, I actually also narrated the trailer, and I'm doing the same for the audiobook, which I've been working on with Kyle. It's not a surprise. I'll include wow. a link to the trailer in the email. Oh, and Kyle, if you're listening, happy late birthday. Aww. That's awesome. That is incredibly awesome. Yes, and the, Robert... Uh, you, you narrating something is not a surprise and is wonderful, and it's wonderful for the people who uh, get to experience that. Yeah, I would definitely listen to you narrate things. Absolutely, anything, and, literally anything. The Silmarillion, for example. Yes, and if you want to hear Robert on the Supernatural Encounters trailer, he linked. He sent us a link to it. Excellent. And so I'll put it in the show notes. He also sent us a link to the Joe Bongiorno Legends Library interview. So I'll put both of those in there. Thank you so much, Robert. And he also sent us some pictures of the books that he received. <gasps> There's a nice little autograph in there. Ooh. It says, to Robert, the voice of S.E. Fantastic. Supernatural Encounters. 
Yeah, you are the chosen one. It's true. You definitely are the chosen Absolutely. one, Robert. Thank you so much. Great job. I have to say, I, the trailer for the Supernatural Encounters looks really, it made the book look really interesting, so I might even have to check that out. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. We're not exaggerating at all by any stretch when we say, Robert Newnham, you absolutely could have a future in voice work. You got the goods. You got the goods. Awesome. Thank you so much, Robert. We also heard from Alex Kopech. Alex Kopech? Book club member. Yes. Alex said, Twin Peaks has consistently been brought up on the show, and I've always been in the dark when the topic comes up. Well, no longer I'm in the dark for the most part. Did you watch it? Over the last month and a half, I've watched the original series, the movie, and The Return. Yeah. The characters and settings are so endearing, kooky, and scary. Mm. I've never been more confused and entertained at the same time before. Well, that's David Lynch, so... I love the fact that the show is obsessed with using its own theme song, and rightfully so, yes. it's great. It was truly an interesting experience that I'm grateful to have because of this book club. Yeah. Now I don't know what to hyperfixate on next. Well. Yes. There's a ton of things. Yeah. Um, there's some really good books uh, that have come out Quick that books. are that are related to the uh, Twin Peaks universe. And then. Um, so you're saying if he wants to keep on with Twin Peaks, he yeah. can. There's there's material for that. Or if he wanted to jump to something else, what would he jump to? Um, I would say dig into the David Lynch movies. Okay, you know oh, if yeah, you if, if you liked uh, Twin Peaks and you kind of liked that whole vibe, you know I would like check out Eraserhead, I, The Elephant Man. I will say, with the exception of Firewalk with Me, it, the movies tend to be far more disturbing than right. the Twin Peaks. So just yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, just content warning. You know? Right, yeah. Excellent movies though. Incredible, uh, incredible filmmaker, and they are very, very good movies. But just you know. Go into it understanding that you're going to feel real fucked up about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely check out Blue Velvet. That's uh, Kyle MacLachlan and Roy yeah. Dern in that one. Oh, yeah. That's right. Again, incredibly fucked up, but a great movie. And I, I would also highly recommend uh, David Lynch's The Art Life. Mm, the Art Life. Yes. Was, I am constantly trying to get people to watch that. That's really Fuck, good. It's and so it, good. It's just kind of like a look at David Lynch and his way of making art and his whole background, which is really interesting. It's incredible. So, yeah. Dig into those. And then also, you should check out the episode that we did with Hayden Orr over on Last Book on the yeah, Shelf. Yeah. We talked about Twin Peaks with him and his crew. If you do anything creative at all whatsoever in your life, the art life is going to be interesting to you, whether yeah. or not you, you know, care for David Lynch's work. But if you are a David Lynch fan, it's that much more, you know, intriguing. Yeah, yeah. But in any case. I'll link that episode uh, that we did with Hayden in the show notes also, if you want to check that out. Have you watched The X-Files? Watch The X-Files. The X-Files if you need something good. else to hyperfixate <laughs> on, you haven't watched it. I mean, there you go. That's just... You'll be busy for a while. Yeah, you will. With that. We also got another message from Alex. Did we? Yes. He what said, did he say, John? I heard you guys talking about Lords of the Rings swords, We were talking about Lords of the Rings And I had to swords. share these. These are my dad's, and he's had them ever since I was really little. What? They've always been part of my life, and every time I see them, it's a reminder of the shared love for Lord of the Rings my Wait, dad and I have. So his dad had replicas from when he was little? From when Alex was little. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like that's before any of the resurgence, probably, right? They look like they're from the movies. Okay. All yeah, right. Yeah. Right on. He's always been a sword guy, and because of that, I've, I always have been too. He has a bunch more swords hanging around the dining room and here and there across his house as well. Oh, yeah, they are. They're from the yeah, they're from the movie. They look great. Those are really cool. And they're oh, well. Yeah, they look amazing. And they're well mounted. Yeah. Incredible mounting. Really very good. We also heard from Andrew Craddock. Andrew Craddock. 
book club member. He said, hey, you damn guys and lasses. Mm. I know you guys promoted the... I'm a guy. It's fine. Okay. I know you guys promoted the comic Mirinda by Grim Wilkins, which was fantastic. I wanted to promote an- another comic that I found years ago, The Arrival by Sean Tan. The Arrival by Sean Tan. Yeah. We'll have to check that out. Yeah. Using no dialogue, it follows a journey of moving to a new country, assimilating and adapting. It is no superhero tale for sure, but the art is so surreal and interesting. I love that this artist was able to visually explain the culture shock that families feel as they come to a new country. That I'm- sounds fascinating. Yeah, yeah I would really love nice. to see that. I may be biased because I teach in a school where I see many students from Myanmar, Democratic Republic of the Congo, and others, oddly enough, in eastern North Carolina. Okay. But it is amazing. Yeah. I love the cultural interaction that happens in my school, and I try my best to promote it in my art classroom. The book places you as a reader in the role of someone who doesn't understand and has only seen what is around them. Sounds wonderful. Anyway, I'm off topic, but check it out. It's an enlightening read. And the the specific awesome. situation you. that you described from your own life sounds very interesting. Yeah, yeah rich that's awesome. with fantastic. Uh, I'm curious. That sounds great. Yeah, it really sounds cool. like you're doing some good stuff over Absolute, there. Well, it yeah. sounds like super interesting as well. Yeah, let's check that out. That sounds that sounds awesome. Thank you for the recommendation. That's why it's a book club. Yes, that's why it's a book club. Friendship. Thank you. So, thank you for that. Yeah. So Danielle, you were asking for some autumnal recommendations. Okay. Okay, I'm excited about autumnal recommendations. We got a Hey Damn Guys from Christopher Egan. Christopher Egan. Book club member. That's right. And Christopher Egan says, Over the Garden Wall is probably my favorite thing that heavily captures that autumnal vibe. Autumnal is capitalized, as it should be. (laughs) As it should be, but still has some creepiness to it. Mm. Okay, excellent. But that is autumnal vibe. Slightly creepy, but also comfortable. Pig and Mandy are definitely some of Cage's best of all time. Pig is a movie that I loved every second of, and the full emotional weight of it didn't hit me until I was driving home from the theater. Ooh, that can be... I gotta mm, check that one out. I haven't dicey. seen that. That one, you're just like... <laughs> That's a got some autumn vibes too, I guess. Oh. Haydnor replied to this. Over the garden wall is so cute and fun, but there is definitely a vibe of you might suffer a fate worse than death here underneath everything, lol. What? <laughs> I love that. So I, yeah, will absolutely be checking that out. Y'all have been telling us to check that out for the longest and we haven't, and I regret that. But now is the perfect time. Yes. Because it's, you know... Late October, and so I can't wait to check that out. That's the next thing we're going to do, absolutely. Haydnor continues. The soundtrack is also incredibly repeatable. I often find myself singing Patient is the Night or the Alphabet Song while I'm doing things at the house lol. Wow, okay. I love that. I'm very excited. Right, I, love little, I love little songs that get in your head like that from TV shows. I like that from TV shows for sure. Mark Tweedle said, ah, you beat me to it. I was going to mention Over the Garden Wall. Incidentally, Mike Mignola is a fan of it too. So we got Christopher Regan, Hayden Orr, Mark Tweedle, and Mike Mignola all yeah. saying. I think even Wes Matthijs said Wes, that we yeah, should. Yeah, we need so to check out. So everyone's telling us. Listen, it's unavoidable, inevitable. We can't wait to check Great it out. Great recommendation. Yeah, thank you for awesome. that. Awesome. Thank you. We got another Hey Damn Guys from Hayden Orr. Hayden Orr. Book club member. It's true. Hayden says, you aren't going to believe this, but in the process of talking about cool axes in the film Mandy, I literally forgot Nick Cage. Do you have a bird over there? What, what is that, Aubrey? 
uh, forgot we have a clock in this room that every hour different <laughs> bird sounds. You have the bird clock? We have it too. We shut off the bird sounds because it was interrupting our lives. Because we already have a bird yelling at us all so day, every funny. day. Yeah, that's great. You aren't going to believe this, but in the process of talking about cool axes in the film, Mandy, I literally forgot Nick Cage has a cool axe in the movie. It happens. Yes, he does. It's really weird and messed up. Yeah. yeah. Also, Gwen in the Green Knight has a sweet axe in it as well. Yeah. Oh, that's shit. absolutely forgot about Sir Gwen. Sir Gwen, if you please, though. Sir Gwen in the Green Knight. Um, also, I don't know why I said top three Cage performances because after really thinking about it, I couldn't just pick three. I feel like I should interject here and say we just watched Renfield. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, we'll talk about it when we, we get will. To so I'm gonna talk, I'm gonna, but I'm gonna continue with what Hayden Orr said here. Here we go. But my loose picks that are subject to change, of course, are one, Pig, two, Mandy, three, Raising Arizona, four, Renfield, Cage's Dracula is the only thing that saves this movie for me. Cage's Dracula is phenomenal, and five, Matchstick Men. Yeah. Oh, I love that movie. Absolutely. And oh, that's on- a great movie for sure. Honorable mentions are Wild at Heart adaptation. The Rock, the unbearable weight of massive talent. Also, Moonstruck and Leaving Las Vegas. Oh, oh, wow. oh and Gone in sixty seconds and Ghost Rider. So you're just a Nick Cage fan. It's okay. It's okay to yeah. just be like, I like Nick Cage movies. Like, absolutely. Who doesn't? He's amazing. And oh man, his he Dracula. <laughs> his Dracula. He was Nick caging it up. He was full force for Renfield. Yeah, absolutely. All the just fury of a Nick Cage performance he was really fucking going for it and I just ah oh, just peak Nick Cage incredible that he's still no one else could do it yeah. the way that he did it and uh, I'm glad we got to see his Dracula performance for sure oh also the group leader at the um the support group what I don't remember the actor's name but he did a great job I probably should have looked it up that was a fun movie yeah. I really enjoyed that it was really good but Nick I Cage I've obvi- seen that one myself Nick Cage is is absolutely why you watch the movie, for sure. For that performance, definitely. We were trying to, uh, last time we were trying to think about, like, famous people with axes. Um, right. And so I looked I can't at, believe we didn't think of Sir Gwen and the Green Knight. Yeah, that's a good one. I can't believe we didn't think of that. So I just Googled this. But your brain sort of freezes. Yeah. You know. I Googled this just to see what would come up. Uh, obviously, Gimli is on there. Yeah. Uh, Christian Bale and American Psycho. Um, he's a famous um, guy with an axe. Well, that's not a cool axe, though. That's a horrific... It's like a fire axe. That yeah. movie is more of like a... It's a commentary on whatever, whatever. Like, I don't know if that's... Uh, one that I thought was pretty cool, though, was um, River in Serenity. She has a oh, cool axe. Oh, she has the thing. That's basically the Buffy axe, though, right? Yeah, like, he yeah. was like, I'm doing the Buffy axe right. again. I'm I thought doing that was it. a good one, though. Sure. Sir Gwen is a good one, too. Sir Gwen, yeah. Excellent. Regarding our discussion on Dracula, motherfucker, we heard from Mark Tweedell. Mark Tweedell. Book club member. Uh, Mark says, uh, I'm glad to hear that this was a win with you all. Mm. With you all. Not y'all. He's not from Texas. That's okay. <laughs> well, you can say it. We give you permission. Regarding the vampire explaining the way Dracula uses his bride, acting like she's delivering one-liners, my read on this is that she was not trying to save her. She was trying to break her. Mm -hmm. And she smiles when she sees the recognition in the other's eyes. That's what she's saying is true. Ah, Ah, beautiful. I love that. Well, that's lovely. And I think that's gorgeous. 
As for the voices of the bride, I imagine the sound of a howling wind and a raging fire, but in the center of it, three calm, measured voices like Gillian Anderson in mm. Hannibal, Kate Blanchett in mm. Lord of the Rings, and Sigourney Weaver mm. in Cabin in the Woods, mm. all together in unison. Mm. Considering their power, they need to feel like a storm unleashed. Oh, mm. I like that. Put all those voices on top of each other. I don't know if we could handle that. I know. <laughs> I don't know if you can legally, can you legally do that? I know, right? Uh, I don't know if audiences too... will be able to tolerate it. I don't think they'll become no. overwhelmed and Ab- their mm. brains will just come out of their eyes. Absolutely, <laughs> that would happen to me for sure. Especially uh, in the context that you're talking about, where now that I'm going back and and thinking about it and remembering it, like the sexy on being evil at you performance, it works now so much better in that context where you, the actor is smiling but being in your face incredible amazing and then with the voices and everything i don't know if people can handle that i don't know if i think that would just destroy would melt people's bones uh mark goes on to say if one of the brides is played by tessa thompson's another should be played by janelle monet so oh, okay i imagine dracula's seraph voice is a cacophony of whispers talking on a quality like the hordes of insects scuttling in the walls but the core of it is a bold like the Cave of Wonders and Aladdin. Oh, mm. yeah. yeah. Okay. Like Tom Hardy doing a weird like voice. Tom Hardy doing a weird voice. You've <laughs> so never heard all before. of Tom Hardy. The Dracula looks like an unholy biblical accurate angel. Getting back to the rest of the episode today, I agree. The special features in the books were excellent. I always enjoy diving into the creator's thoughts, not just on making the book, but what drove them to explore it the way that they did. Holy shit, Gotham City's another character? That explains everything. Mm. <laughs> Good one. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, I love that. I love the thinking about the voices of the different characters. The and descriptions how that would come of across. the voices yeah, was really very nice. effective. Yeah. Regarding the doom that came to Gotham, we heard from Drew Campbell. Drew Campbell. Book club member. I wouldn't be upset if Mignola had an idea for a sequel to the, to the doom that came to Gotham, but I think it'd be more interesting if you did a weird, gross, Lovecraftian take on Superman or some other character who's not already oversaturated with dark tales. Oh. Like Superman... Like Superman could be some kind of spore of the elder gods that tore through reality from the outer dark and grew up on Earth as a human or something. Nice. I like that idea. I'm sort of done with that. And I want Mike Mignola to do original characters only at this point because I feel like just anyone can do Superman. It doesn't matter. Mike Mignola is really good at doing original shit. Let him do it. But I want a weird, gross Superman, just like weird, gross Batman and weird, gross Two Face. I just want Mignola to write whatever he wants to write. Yeah. There you go. Absolutely. Then we also heard from Hayden Noor, which is weird because I think Danielle normally reads these. Um, Okay. The Dr. Harvey visit is Herbert West, a.k.a. the reanimator. If they did a sequel, I could see a version of Bane who uses West reanimating serum as some sort of venom substitute as he hunts the Batman of Gotham. Nice. Yeah, I didn't catch that detail. I guess like they worked the reanimator character into that comic too, which is pretty cool. It's a nice little horror element. Very cool. We also heard from Paul Sercos Guell. Paul Sercos Guell. Book club member. Yes, he said, my name is Paul. I write from Barcelona. <gasps> it's been a long time since... Awesome. It's been a long time since the pandemic that I've been listening to your podcast, the Hellboy Book Club, of course, but since you did this one later, I got hooked too. I've never written to you, so when I read on the Instagram account that you would talk about the doom that came to Gotham, I was like, it was damn time. (laughs) So here we go with the purpose of dressing like a bat and getting beaten up. 
I wanted to comment on a couple of things that occurred to me listening to the podcast and reading the comic. For starters, it seems to me a bit like a love letter to Lovecraft, who, for those who don't know, was the creator of cosmic horror as a literary genre, Mm. the Cthulhu mythos and such. In fact, when they talk about how and where Roz wrote his evil book, it is a direct reference to the short story, The Nameless City. Yes. In which an archaeologist gets lost in a city carved into some mountains and upon entering, he ends up lost and he finds some mummies of humanoid lizards. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Good what catch What? You didn't there. know that? That's an excellent story. Excellent. You've well, never read that? It's one. Of, it's a classic. I'll have to check that out. Yes, absolutely you should. He continues, but of course, it's Mike Mignola on the script, so the idea of making references to the Hellboy mythos is more than assured. Roz as Rasputin would be a great example of how he carries over some ideas and characters from one universe to another. And if you stop to think about it, Hellboys also often gain punch, shot, sliced, stabbed, bitten, and other ways of suffering pain all over, just like Batsy here. And about Roz and how to pronounce his name is something that goes on for so long. (laughs) I found two links where it is pronounced very differently. So he mentioned in episode five, season three of Batman Beyond, the episode's called Out of the Past, Talia actually corrects Terry on how to pronounce it. And he put a little I remember that. He put a clip to it in here. Yeah. So I checked that out. So she says Raish. Yes. In that book. The father's name was pronounced Raish, not Raz. A common mistake. But in the Batman Begins movie, both Liam Neeson and Christian Bale pronounce it differently. Yeah. I like this pronunciation better. They say Raz. They say Raz, yeah. yeah. You're not Raz al Ghul. I watched him die. But is Raz al Ghul immortal? I was also surprised by the absence of more waiting characters like Catwoman or the Joker. It is true that they have more presence in other Elseworlds or even in Black Label with stories of their right. own. Yeah. But here they haven't appeared. Maybe Mignola and DC were saving them for a second part. Maybe. Mm. Just to have a horrible death like most fellows here. <laughs> That's what happens when you mess with Awuga Satha Voodoo Spacecraft Magic. <laughs> Everyone fucking dies. Which I love, by the way. Yes. So dramatic. <laughs> Absolutely. So dramatic. We love it. And the animated adaptation hasn't fallen into my hands yet, but I'd love to hear a podcast about that, comparing it a bit to the comic. Yeah, we haven't had a chance to check that out. I, I really do. Um, they made a cartoon of the Doom Did that came they? to Gotham. And I haven't seen it. It just came out to like this year. Oh. And so far, I think I like people have that. been enjoying it. So okay. we'll have to watch that and see how it, how it holds up. He says, and this is it so far. Thank you guys, John, Danielle, and Aubrey for your work here. Your podcast usually makes my days a lot better, especially the Hellboy Book Club, and also helps me find some more deep insights of the comics, the narrative, and a lot of what you talk about, and then we read about it, and then we write to you to talk about what we read. Friendship. Big polar hug to you all three. Paul. Thank you so much, Paul. So So great to hear from you. Really great to hear from you. And that's so sweet. And we love Barcelona. <laughs> we love Barcelona. Yeah, that's amazing that you're from Barcelona. It's we incredible. We love it there. Yeah, we visited there once and uh, it was beautiful. It was gorgeous. Yeah, thank you for all the background there on all the little Easter eggs with uh, Lovecraft in that story. I really enjoyed that. We also heard from Wes Matthijs. Wes Matthijs. Book club member. Yeah, so remember the Doom that came to Gotham was Wes's recommendation. Mm-hmm. He said, hey, you damn guys. Well, clearly, hey. clearly I like. The hey, Doom Wes. That, yeah, hey, Wes. Clearly, I like the Doom that came to Gotham since I was hoping you all would cover it on an episode this month, and I was super excited when I saw it pop up on my podcast app. Mm. There was also a part of me that thought you might not cover it since I couldn't join, and was stoked you still did. 
And crazy story, coincidentally, I saw Andrew Craddock, book club member, at my comic shop. What? And I mentioned to him that I was hoping you guys would read The Doom That Came to Gotham. It was really weird catching up with a book club member there, because that never happens. Aww. He was in town for a trip and happened by the store to look for back issues. That is so lovely. He does not live anywhere near this shop and went on a day that I don't regularly go, not a Wednesday. Okay, not crazy story, but a fun happenstance. I think it that's is a beautiful. I think that's a wild that story. That is so awesome. That you, is wild. You go to your comic book store <laughs> on a day that you don't normally go, and then you run into someone that doesn't live anywhere near there, but who you know through this like weird parasocial relationship. It's from not the- parasocial, <laughs> not at all. It's a book club. I think that's a. It's true friendship, and it's a book club. I think that's incredible, and I think it's a sign. It's a sign from, uh, from the universe, from the comics universe saying, hey, hey, you're on the right track. Friendship. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Absolutely. Yeah. I love hearing about uh, book club members meeting up in the wild. It's so awesome. Yeah. It is. It's gorgeous. He said, this book is totally like a Hellboy parody of Batman or a Batman parody of Hellboy. Either way. Either way, it's a Mignola story with Batman. And I'm sure Mike didn't give a beep and had fun. He didn't. He didn't give a flip. I really love the Eldridge spin on all the characters and how Bruce Wayne never really claimed the name Batman. It really was a doom that came to Gotham, or many dooms. Each character's story, even on their own, was just tragic. Mm. Anyways, it was super fun and a great Halloween read. I watched the movie as well. It was fun, but I'm partial to the comic in that format. Mm. It mirrors the comic pretty accurately. Nice. Looking forward to what's next, your friendly book club member, Wes. Wonderful. Awesome, Wes. Thanks, Wes. Thank you so much. Yeah, they all did have like, even on their own, they all had really tragic stories, if you Mm -hmm. think about it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the Two-Face one was the one that I was like really upset by the most. Because like, he was just a regular guy and then he got this horrible rash. And he took it it in stride. And then he's like, horrible. And then at the end, he's like, uh, Hey Bruce, are we, did we do it? And yeah. then he just like dies. Or, uh, oh man, yeah. or suffers, or continues to suffer. Right? Who knows? Regarding X Files, Christopher Egan says. Christopher Egan, book club member. That's right. The X Files began its widescreen broadcast with season five, so the episode was in the correct aspect ratio. Aubrey, it wasn't <laughs> until two thousand four that I got the HD makeover. However, oh okay. Andrew Craddock says... Andrew Craddock. Book club member. Hey, we were just talking about him. We were just talking about him. We were. Happy spooky season, you damn guys. This is the content I crave. Yes. Three (laughs) exclamation marks. Uh, Mulder is sampling pie like every grandma casually brought five pies to Thanksgiving. (laughs) We've been watching the old Halloween classics, and now I'm back on the X-Files rewatch. Yeah. Yeah. Inevitable. I told him, you know, that you had bought a sweet potato pie after. So after we finished that episode, we finished the commentary. Aubrey went home, and Danielle was like, "Now I want to go to get, uh, go get a sweet potato pie." And I, I was like, one. "I was like, well, the store's still open. We could still make it over there." So we went and got one, and uh, like at ten o'clock at night, we're eating sweet potato pie anyway. So Wait a minute, it was so good. You had sweet potato pie without me. I know. Listen, I'm sorry, listen, you had gone home. I'm sorry, you had left. <laughs> Andrew Craddock responded to your comments and said, as one does, it's pie season. It is. It's pie season. I'm about to cook my birthday pumpkin pie. Don't at me. <laughs> I will enjoy my pumpkin pie in place of cake. Pie is superior to cake. Do, I wonder if anyone I'm, else has a birthday pie. I'm not pie. even sorry about it. Pie yeah, is superior to cake. That's an interesting cake. idea. I would I've love I would love a birthday pie. Absolutely. Okay. What Absolutely. Kind of, what kind of pie do you want for your birthday? Man. Don't get me started. He tells us to continue being awesome. Are Thank we, you, Andrew. Are we awesome? 
If we are awesome, we'll continue being awesome. We've got a hey damn guys from Callie Kaysen. Callie Kaysen. Book club member. Callie Kaysen says, hey damn guys. Damn you. Damn you all to hell. <laughs> After listening to your show on the X-Files, parentheses, I listen in my car on the way to work every Tuesday morning. Ah. All right. Well, we're, 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 I'm happy we could be part of your, uh, your commute. I'm starting the entire series over. Yeah. I know. You there have you go. to. I yeah. mean, like, what are you going to do? You got to do it. I've been rewatching Twilight Zone and now switching gears to the X-Files. Thank you. You're welcome. You're fucking welcome. That's a good, like, follow-up to Twilight yeah. Zone, right? You know what I mean? The X-Files is so singular, though. It's yeah, just, it yeah. just is what it is, you know? Callie continues, Web of Word comes out tomorrow, and I'm super stoked to play. Any of you folks getting it? Until next time, peace. So what's the what's the word on Web of Word? Yes, so I did download it. I got it for Switch. Um, I've only played a little bit of it, maybe like for an hour's worth or whatever, but I, I was enjoying it. Okay. Um, the, it, it was a little glitchy, mm. and so one thing that I know, and one thing that is kind of cool is like if you follow the developers for Web of Word on Twitter, like they even put out like, hey, we're putting patches out. And this We're is, on top of it. And and this is what the patches are going to fix sure. and all this kind of stuff. And so there was a patch that came out on the Switch. Awesome. I haven't had a chance to play it since the patch came out. So I imagine it maybe runs a little smoother. But they're taking it's, feedback. They're, yeah. they're working on it. So uh, one thing that I'll say is that the animations of Hellboy are great. When you load a new scene... It shows Hellboy falling mm. just through darkness. Okay. And I'm like, this is perfect. Because yeah. he's always falling He down, is always you know? falling through darkness. And it looks really cool. And Lance Riddick, oh, rest in peace. R.I.P. Um, yeah. Man, he does a fun Hellboy. Man. I like his version of Hellboy. It's it's pretty fun. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Seeing it in conjunction with the Mignola-like you know, animation is How really cool. amazing that we have that. What a gift. Yeah, it was really nice. So, so far, I, I've enjoyed, I'm enjoying it. I'm sure I'll enjoy it more since the patch has come out. Very nice. We got a Hey Damn Guys from Brendan Cahill. Brendan Cahill. Book club member. Brendan Cahill says, hi, book club. Was excited to see you were doing another X-Files commentary. Thank you. Yes. I'm so glad that you were excited for that because I get excited for that. And I'm like, nobody likes these, but everybody seems to like them. And for Jose Chung, my favorite episode. Loved listening along. I didn't need to rewatch at all. I've seen it so many times. Yeah, yeah. So called out right now. I knew exactly what was happening. I so wish I could watch it again for the first time. I know, wow, I know. That yeah. feeling that you, oh, I can recall the feeling of watching some of these for the first time. So funny, unique, and quietly sad, and actually resonant and com complimentary to the super serious mythology. Mm, yeah. yeah. He could do that. I am positive I know what Lord Kinboat actually was, but going into it would turn this into a five-page Reddit post. Oh, man, you got to follow up. you, you got to give us a yes! synopsis on that. Give yes! us a little bit of, of your on, theory, man, because I want to know. For sure, for sure. He goes on to say, I didn't remember ghosts so well, but very funny to realize that it was indeed absolutely a fan fiction story. Yeah. <laughs> Too much on the safer work end of the spectrum, though. Okay, yeah. Sure. I'll pay that. You can tell Aubrey that by season six, the show was airing in widescreen. Oh, man, Aubrey. There we go. Yeah, now everybody's everyone's on that widescreen thing. And even back in season three, they were protecting the image for widescreen framing, so it's not too different. Oh, wow. Okay. Sorry if this goes without saying, but if you haven't seen it, absolutely track down the character's return in Jose Chung's Doomsday Defense, a Darren Morgan episode of the X-Files sister show, Millennium. 
Oh, wow. What? Wow. Lore. Okay. With a capital L that I didn't know existed. Okay, we'll have to check that yeah, out. Yeah, he goes sure. on to say, it's also brilliant, and I don't think you'd need to know the show well to enjoy it perfect. Parentheses. I love that season of Millennium Dearly, but it's one of the strangest seasons of TV that ever existed. <laughs> Sounds like a show that's up our alley. Yeah. One more nerdy wreck to finish. Aubrey noticed the character wearing a Space Above and Beyond t-shirt. That's Darren Morgan doing a favor for his brother Glenn and co-writer James Wong, who wrote all the best X-Files episodes in the first two seasons and then left to make Space. It didn't last long, but was a great... WW2 in space show packed with X-Files guest actors. Okay, um, in including an uncredited Duchovny as an android. Nice, awesome. Loving the Halloween season eps. Thanks, guys. Brendan. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Wow. I, very cool. Yes, we have so much to check out, John. I know. People are uh, got a big list. A lot and of recommendations. We love it. And yeah. we love the book club well, we love being in the book club we love you the book club members who enrich our lives and uh i'm being sincere i know i sound like i'm being goofy but i'm being sincere we love you i also uh want to thank you guys because uh i was unaware about the x-files airing in widescreen i'm glad to know that they, <laughs> but they wanted to make I, sure I you knew about it aubrey but but you know like i it's just like i, I just really prefer shows in their original aspect ratios i mean that's no, you know. absolutely. Um, no, I'm right there yeah. with you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there but was that. Glad uh, to know. There was that whole thing when The Simpsons came out, mm, and it was because um, they they chopped off the sides of the thing, right? And well, yeah. and it messed up a lot of the jokes. It messed too. up the jokes. Yeah. The jokes were ruined. Yeah. Apparently, the same thing with Seinfeld on uh, Netflix. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. There's yeah. visual gags yeah. that yeah. we're missing out on. So there, there is a lot of value to that. And then, like. Um, there are like episodes of like Buffy where like the classroom was supposed to be full, but you see a whole desk row of nobody because um, it wasn't supposed to be airing on that episode. Right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, and we got another voicemail from Robert Noonan. We are truly blessed, Robert Noonan. Again. Book club member. Book club member. Hey you damn guys. This is Robert from the present. First, to get this out of the way, it's pronounced Warwick. The second W is silent, just pretend it's another R. Oh, no. It's also a common thing with UK place names and would almost definitely apply to East Bromwich as well, oh, even though it's not a real place. <laughs> oh, <laughs> West no. Bromwich is, though. Now, I don't know if Benny Decker's listened to the most recent Hellboy Book Club episode, but the bit with the doppelganger was a response to his previous message. I just hope he's seen Twin Peaks so the joke doesn't fall completely flat. <laughs> I'll save this for the Hellboy Book Club, but I have Web of Word now. Huh? I don't know which pronunciation is more correct, but word is how they pronounce it in the game. Yes. Yeah. So that's what I'm going with, that's at least where this game is concerned. Yeah. I haven't played it yet, and again, when I do, I'll tell you about it on the other podcast. But one thing that makes me want to play it more is the fact that not only have the developers been reading people's reviews, but they've been leaving really nice replies. Aww. And Upstream Arcade only consists of about 16 people. Aww. This is their second game, at least as indie developers. And hilariously, in their previous game, West of Dead, the main character is voiced by Ron Perlman, of all people. Oh, that's funny. Amazing. I'm already pushing my luck a bit here, but I did want to sneak this in as well. Regarding Hellboy's attitude towards witches in The Return of Effie Kolb, <sighs> that story takes place in 1967. Three years before that, he met the Baba Yaga for the first time. <sighs> that's right, true. I'm off. No, that's Need true. to answer my blood emails. 
Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this is blood emails. That's an interesting thing to talk about. We'll have to bring that up on the Hellboy book club. No, that's fair. But we were, we were talking about his attitude towards witches, and that's a good little continuity thing yeah, yeah, also, to think about. We have to sincerely yeah. apologize for our pronunciation. You know, we're just we're just dumb Americans. We've been saying it wrong for an entire year. Yeah. Warwick. <laughs> Warwick. Um, but thank you. Yeah, uh, I thank you. Appreciate, we appreciate it. Uh, I want to say things right. So Also, I, the I, other thing that he said, what was the name of the thing? Oh, East Bromwich. 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 It's Bromwich. Instead of Bromwich. It's Bromwich. Um, and then he also uh, called out Benny Decker. You know, Benny Decker did the little impression of him on, yeah, a, yeah, on a recent yeah, episode. Yeah, so that was yeah, really good. Yeah, yeah. Robert also said uh, in his message, he said, I went to a convention about an hour from where I live and I bought these. Oh. Most of my comics are in the digital format. And so he got a sweet Hellboy Seat of Destruction trade paperback oh. and also Star Wars Legacy Volume 4 Alliance trade right paperback. So cool. good stuff. Right. I love uh, I love to see the comic halls. Yes. Good job there. All right. That was a great feedback, everybody. Thank you so much I'm for all the... Full. Full of oats. Full of oats. Thank and you for friendship. all the mail. Yeah, thank you for yeah, the thank friendship. Thank you, everybody. And now we're going to go on to our next section. What do you see? What do you say? All right. So I have a couple things, but they're all stuff that Aubrey already talked about. Because mm. I basically watched all <laughs> Aubrey's recommendations from last week. We were over at the Hellway Book Club last week, and I gave my full Halloween list Aubrey's um, over there. And Aubrey, you had mentioned the fall of the House of Usher. I watched all of that. I like binged all of that. Uh, I watched that it. show was so good. <laughs> it was really good. And oh my god, I want to watch it again. So John specifically had to show me this one part that actually made me want to watch the show now, which is the thing that I've been saying for twenty years. Every single time right, we yeah. see it in a TV show or a movie, which is when they go wait enhance and they try to enhance some sort of footage of a video yeah. and it's not that's not how that the technology doesn't work like that and so in the show it's like he's like enhance and they're like we can't actually do that he's like well do something we can zoom in but it won't it won't enhance yes. the image at all and he goes well can, why is there no sound there's there's not sound in most security footage like yeah. it's just not a thing it's not a thing and i just i lost it because that's yeah I That's true. It was yeah. such a fantastic um, performance by Mark Hamill. Yeah. Mark so Hamill. I was really, really overjoyed to see that. Man, I was like watching it. There was like one scene where uh, it had Mark Hamill, Mary McDonald, and Bruce Greenwood. And I'm like, fucking Jedi Knight, the president of the fucking 12 colonies, and captain of the Enterprise sitting in a room together. Well, yeah. And they're all three <laughs> incredible actors in their own right that get to do a show that they normally probably wouldn't have been. Yeah cast for they're probably sick of doing just like cons for this one character yeah. they did 20 years ago so they're yeah. maybe maybe excited to do like a new thing that they get to showcase their abilities and it was really fun to see them in that context yeah um mark hamill is playing a very different character than what he normally plays i, I love think. it and he does yeah. like a very interesting voice mm -hmm. as well because he's such a renowned voice actor yeah but that is so funny aubrey i didn't realize that you got three space properties star wars star trek and battlestar galactica like all their 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 yeah. lead people are all in a room together. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Well, that that one scene that you showed me made me be like, "What the fuck is this? I have to check this out." And you know what's funny about that scene too is that um, there's not a very there's not a lot of humorous scenes in that show. Right. It's mostly a horror show. Sure, there are yeah. humorous moments, but there's not many. And that one is so good. It's really good. It's so fun that that little scene. I had to I had to show you that anyway. That was a great yeah, show. That 
I highly that recommend was so it. Good. Especially if you're a fan of Edgar Allan Poe. There are so many Poe references in there. I mean, I, 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 I've got an excellent collection, yeah. by the way. By the end of it, fucking all of Bruce Greenwood's lines are just Edgar Allan Poe poetry. Pretty much. Okay, I have pretty to much. see this then. Um, I have it, to look at this. I enjoyed it. Uh, definitely worth checking out. I also watched The Shining and Doctor Sleep, which oh, Aubrey had so also good. recommended, and I watched them back to back, just how Aubrey did too, and it was it was amazing. I, right. I really enjoyed both of those. Yeah, I hadn't seen The Shining in forever, probably not since I was in college, I, and and I I really enjoyed it. I was like I I didn't really know if I was gonna. I didn't remember being totally taken aback by it mm. i know people consider Bang. it like a cinem- cinematic masterpiece or whatever but yeah i i guess just with maturity or whatever i was like ah oh, stanley Ku- who is this guy stanley kubrick who <laughs> is I wonder, done- <laughs> I wonder if he's done anything else i've heard of your brains weren't <laughs> developed enough john yeah maybe to appreciate the um majesty and then following up with dr sleep man that movie was so good it's also by mike flanagan who did the yes, fall of the is. house of usher mm-hmm. And that was amazing. There are some, ama- like, I don't want to spoil it because I think it just came to streaming. So if you haven't had a chance to see it, but there were some scenes in there that I thought were just incredible. I can't, I want to talk to Aubrey about him, like maybe off air or something like that. But I highly recommend that too. It was so good. Um, yeah, a worthy follow up to The Shining. I can't believe that I haven't heard more about it. You would think that more people would be talking about it because usually when they do a sequel of something that's like 20 years old or older, it sucks, you know what I mean, or it doesn't hold up. And uh, I thought this was mm-hmm. really, really good and and worthy of, of checking out. Yeah, and um, I heard that Mike Flanagan had to really convince Stephen King to let him make it, and also to let him incorporate um, elements from the movie Shining as opposed to the book, because the audience are more familiar with that than the book or his miniseries. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, but Stephen King said, like you know, that it totally redeemed it in his eyes, and he thought it was a great movie. Nice, Ooh. nice. And then we talked about um, Brenfield a little bit. Right. Would you recommend that? You're not usually a horror fan, or you well, don't really watch a lot of stuff. It's not necessarily that I am or am not a horror fan. It's that I, first of all, I've got to be in the right mindset to watch a horror movie, mm-hmm. and if I am, I will, and that's fine. And sometimes I'm not in the mood, and so I won't. So I've seen a lot of horror movies, and a lot of them are fucking great, and a lot of them are just whatever. And that one, I uh, really liked Nicolas Cage's performance as Dracula. Nice. Yeah, he was really great. Um, He does a good job with it, and he's... uh, I don't want to spoil it if you haven't seen it, but there's some good homages to, you know, other versions of Dracula in there that are are really nice. For what do you see, what do you say, I've got something a little different. All right, what do you got? I read a book. Ah, what's your book? I read an actual book. It's called Once Upon a Tome, The Misadventures of a Rare Bookseller by Oliver Darkshire. It's a fucking fantastic book. Uh, It's a very specific mood. This book is very fun and cozy and interesting, and Oliver Darkshire's voice hits this very specific spot in my brain (laughs) that I, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's very comforting and... I could read it forever. Just really weird. If you want to know all the super specifics about the creepy world of reselling rare books. Oh, okay. And it reminded me a lot of my job, which is a super specific. I'm very into here. Here's the thing. I'm obsessed with hyper specific tasks. Sure. Yeah. And I have myself become 
like something of an expert in various hyper-specific fields. And I'm obsessed with printmaking and I'm, I'm obsessed with like custom framing. And I do, I'm obsessed with the things I do you like, all um, day, every day. You like a handmade paper? I love a handmade paper. Mm -hmm. I love fucking hand-marbled paper. I go. love yeah. handmade prints. I love anything that was built by hand. I can work in a wood shop. I can do any of those things. Here is what it is. The journey of an apprentice to me in a very specific field is so fascinating and hits and hits a part of my brain that yeah. is just an absolute vibe with a capital V. And this book is the perfect description of that. And it's it's so satisfying as someone who like I would be happy just being an eternal apprentice at anything. And sure. I've been an apprentice at several things. He perfectly encapsulates what it is feels like to be an apprentice in a super weird hyper specific situation and it's really fun to read about a thing that i've somewhat experienced but he says it in a voice that is so much more articulate than i could ever be so it's really super interesting to you know it's like you're i don't know there's something about it that it strums that chord it's nice. fantastic i finished reading it and i just started rereading it immediately just incredible so wow, check okay. it out really good Awesome. Great the, recommendation. The hardcover American version is beautiful, gorgeous. Oh, I love like a good, like, oh, you know, um, aesthetic looking so beautiful gorgeous. book. Yeah. The, I mean, it, it's a fabric hardback mm. and it's got a beautiful, like, gold gilding. So it's about and, like a green, it's all in greens, these greens. So it's about like old books, and it kind of looks like an old book. It kind of has like a like a vintage old bookstore book. Just stunning, nice. gorgeous book. Give us the title one more time. It's called Once Upon a Tome: The Misadventures of a Rare Bookseller by right. Oliver Darkshire. Yeah. Okay, excellent. The Misadventures. Nice. That's very important. What about you, Aubrey? Okay, so we continued on our, our little uh, spooky movie thing. We watched it chapters one and two you know one for 2017 and 19 yes i fucking love those movies they're so good i mean they're enjoyable they're not like a 100 percent perfect adaptation of the book but they do so good you yeah. should not you should not ad adapt that book because there's a lot of fucked up shit in that book <laughs> that no one wants to fucking see or remember so i'm glad yeah, it, oh, yeah no, I, no. I, I, I i've seen both of them and I, I thought they were good yeah chapter one and two uh, good job there but then we watched this movie. It's a Korean film from 2020 called The Call. Not to be confused with another film that came out in 2020 also called The Call from somewhere else in Asia. I'm not sure. It's a really interesting use of time travel in a horror setting. Oh, All right. okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's not something uh, that I think I've seen too often. But it, it's interesting because it's apparently it's a remake of a, it's a horror remake of another Korean movie, which the original movie got remade as the lake house here in the united states ah okay i haven't seen that either <laughs> yeah it, I, it's not something that would fall up on my radar you know <laughs> or anything that's cool i'm though. not into a lot of romance movies you know too much kissing no nah, that can be good i'm just kidding it can be good <laughs> you know when that movie came out i just didn't want i wasn't in that mind sure yeah absolutely yeah but it, it was really good um i i just kind of like because it's like not giving anything away it's like this one girl moves into this house and there's a phone and she gets a call, and it's coming from her same house, but it's from the past in 1999, and she's in 2019. Oh, wow. I love stuff like, like that. I feel like stuff like that they has happened talking. to me. But then I also feel like I people were like, no, it didn't. Stop saying that out loud. And I was like, okay, it didn't. And then I forgot about it. You know what I mean? 
You, you, yeah. Don't you feel like something like that probably happened to you at some point? And yeah. everyone was like, shut up about it, though. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah. Definitely recommend it. I believe we what it's on Netflix, so okay, to find. great, great. Oh, and one more thing, I listened to um, the Roger Waters Dark Side of the Moon redo. Oh, okay. I didn't even know that, that was a thing. Oh yeah, no, he he did he redid Dark Side of the Moon. It's more slower and Roger Waters. So he yeah, redid an album that he did with his bandmates a very long time ago. He redid years ago by himself. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Well, if you like Pink Floyd and you like Roger Waters, okay. it's an interesting companion piece. Okay. But it's not it's not something that I'm because like I listen to it and I'm like, All right. okay. Yeah. I'd really rather listen to Dark Side mm, of the Moon. I really Moon. would rather listen to the yeah. original yeah. probably. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's like when um the band released the live version of Dark Side of the Moon with their pulse CD. It's like, okay, I've listened to that, but I'd really rather listen to Dark Side of the Moon. Sure. sure. Like this was yeah. an interesting experiment that you did, but like why? Yeah. Yeah. What's the know. reason? Yeah. I don't know. Well, and then um, you know, you remember all the fun instrumental songs in Dark Side of the Moon? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he turns them all into spoken words. Yeah. No. Oh, okay. It is just some of it should be instruments. It's fine. And the the one part where it's like the guitar solo and money. Oh no! He's just talking all over that. What? Okay. Well. (laughs) Okay. I heard all I need to hear about that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I I would if you're like a Pink Floyd fan, I would definitely recommend at least listening to it once if you're interested if you're not interested don't even bother because it's not better than dark side of the moon i think it would be interesting as a study but i think it's also like but you did that already do a different do something else keep going i mean i'm curious but yeah yeah, put some of it on check it out sure all right and now we're going to go on to our book club episode for the week and this week we conclude our halloween times Yes, this episode actually comes out on Halloween, so I hope you guys are doing some spooky stuff, or maybe you did some spooky stuff over the weekend. <laughs> so for this episode, we're going to be covering Falcon Spear. Falcon Spear. This is the. I thir- feel like this. Should, we should do a witchfinder for this. Falcon Spear. Falcon Spear. Falcon Spear. <laughs> Falcon Spear. Falcon Spear. Falcon Spear. This is the third book in the Our Encounters with Evil universe. We've done episodes on the two previous stories: Mister Higgins Comes Home and Our Encounters with Evil. I think we did that one last Halloween. So now we're coming back around to finish it off. This book was published in January 2022, written by Mike Mignola and Warwick Johnson Cadwell. Art and colors by Johnson Cadwell and letters by Clem Robbins. Amazing. We've got an amazing cover by Mike Mignola and Dave Stewart. Mignola and Dave Stewart did this cover? Yeah. Looks so good. So I like this guy, uh, James Falconspear. He's going to be one of the characters in this story. What that a name, James Falconspear. And based on the way that Warg draws him, I couldn't tell if he was supposed to be like African-American or not, but he is brown. And I was like, he kind of looks like me. He does. Okay. Yeah, a bit. Yeah, <laughs> there, absolutely there, looks like there, you a bit. There are some panels where I was like, that could be me there. Put some glasses on him. There you go. That's you, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I love this. This is really cool. The crest behind him with this kind of like dragon with the snake. Oh, absolutely. The big bats. I love a bat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I Mignola does some good bats. Absolutely. Yeah, it's an amazing cover. For sure. I love all the little drawings that I Warwick love the includes, little drawings. You know, as I'm flipping over to get to the story. Aubrey, what do you think of these little drawings? They're really nice. Oh, I love them. They're great. Yeah. There's a nice inscription. It says, this one is for my mom. 
who I think liked this sort of thing. Aww. Aww. <laughs> That's lovely. Really cute. That's lovely. So we opened 15 years earlier, somewhere in the European countryside. A storm rages outside this castle, and we see Mary Van Sloan and James Falconspear running up the stairs of this castle. They're after this vampire. I love the action and the storytelling yeah. in this first scene because it just throws you in there and you don't know what's happening, but you you get it. You get it. You you pick it up rather you quickly. You know and what I, I mean? I feel like the style artistically has evolved, right. uh, but it's the same. It's the same aesthetic and feel that we're used to, but it's 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 more. Yeah. It's even more, and um, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm so here for it. I'm, I'm like, yes, this is. He revs it up a notch. Revs every it up, time. Yeah. yeah. I love as he kicks open the door and all so that. So good, really good. This so, should be you and me, John. I know. So <laughs> it could. We we get this idea that they're trying to corrupt the vampire's coffin. Yeah. You know, because he has yeah. to go in there. She's trying to throw like a holy Bible <laughs> in there, or whatever. I'm sorry when he crashes through the fucking. Yeah. He's just like, ah, it's fucking. <laughs> When he hisses. So uh, the vampire goes after... You know what I'm saying, though? His fucking... Uh, it's just the body language and yeah. the, the motion, the movement of this panel. It's like... It's fucking scary, but it's also fucking funny. I feel like that was on purpose. It's great. The vampire attacks Falcon Spear, but then he gets slightly distracted by Van Sloan. She's trying to put the Bible in the coffin. I like how his facial expression when he sees that. Yeah, she's like, I'll fucking do it, too. And Falcon Spear's like, quickly. Yeah. Her look of determination as she's doing it. Yeah. I love that. At this time, I guess Mr. Knox arrives on the scene and he donks the vampire on the head <laughs> with a vase. Uh, that's I, really good. A vase. A vase. I think it's so great because like the pacing is like she's trying to make it to the coffin. Yeah. And, like, just, and then all of a sudden, like one panel, bam, he's hitting the head back of the head with a vase. Yeah, <laughs> right. it's very actiony. But you know, Van Sloan and Falcon Spear were running up the stairs, so Knox must have been behind them. Yes. You know, again, it just the storytelling. You. It, yeah. It, it, the the art is doing it for you, and you go, oh, this is what's happening. I feel like I can barely keep up. I'm yeah. like, oh, the pace, you know. But you still understand what's going on. In fact, I actually, when I read this, I scanned the entire story without reading it, mm -hmm. and I understood sure, what was happening. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. I literally went back and started over to read the dialogue. Yeah, yeah. Because I couldn't stop myself. I was too engaged. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's yeah, what I'm saying. When yeah. it's like the art tells the story. So yeah, I read the story twice. Once just like. Oh, yeah. Just scanning the pages and then second time to catch the dialogue. I read the story three times this week. Did you? Um, just because I, oh, I thought nice. it was so much fun. <laughs> it yeah, is fun, it really yeah. Is. Well, okay, I, I read it once just to read it. Then I read it again to do the notes. And then I read all three stories back to back. Yeah, I Mr. actually... Mr. Higgins, Our Encounters, and this yeah. one. I have the hard cover here. The oh, collected, the, the, the library edition. The library yeah, edition. So I actually, when I read this, I had to. I was so wistful. Yeah. For these, I had to go back and look at. Look I kind of flipped yeah. through and scanned over these stories. Yeah. I didn't fully yeah. read them, but I like you know I flipped mm -hmm. through just to kind of remind myself of what happened. Anyway, yeah, a rich backstory. Now I'm so in love with these yeah. characters and this whole tale. It's it's amazing. And if you think about it, it was in the first story it's just Knox and Meinhardt. Yeah. In the second story they add Van Sloan and then in this one they add Falcon Spear. But it's so organic. Yeah. And you really feel connected to all these characters in a way that um it can feel clumsy sometimes when they try to introduce right. new characters in some you're like, All right, who's this fucking I don't care about that. But like you every one of these characters, by the time I'm reading the story, I'm like, ah, oh, I'm so invested in yeah. all of these people and like you said, when I went back I was like, Oh, they haven't always been here. Yeah. <laughs> but it feels like they have in yeah. my heart, right? 
So they're able to put the Bible in the coffin, which angers the vampire. He's like, gah! <laughs> thought that was funny. We get to see Falcon Spear's cool little gadget. Yeah. He's got like I this. I love this knife thing. Yeah, yeah. He's got like a little button that he tugs on and it drops a knife into his hand. I love shit like that. And so he uses that knife to chop off the vampire's head. And it keeps... I mean, it's so good, too, because this is like <laughs> knife drops vampire's head on yeah, the ground. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> And it's like gnashing. I like how it says gnash, gnash as it's like. It's like rah, 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 rah. Well, he doesn't fuck around too. He knows exactly what he's doing. He yeah. goes straight for what is going to, you know, end this the quickest. Mr. Knox produces a stick of dynamite. There are so many little cool details here because um, the vampire's head is like spurting out the blood. Ugh. And she's like, ah. You um, would. You would be a little, a little grossed out by that, wouldn't you? So Knox drops the dynamite in there. They push the heavy coffin lid shut. And then when it booms. The body tips over and mm. falls dead. I like all that. You know, it's just, it's funny, but it also... It wasn't enough to cut the head off. They had to destroy it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Interesting, yeah. yeah. Uh, another little detail I like is when they drop the head in there, the head looks at the Bible and it's like, ah! Oh, no. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like this. So the, there's so many cool little details in yeah. here. Anyway. When the, the body drops, they're all like just slumped next to the coffin. It's like, oof. And then there's a crack. The all late, Meinhardt shows up. Well, we're getting better at this. He he's comments. got a big sword. <laughs> Amazing. But um, there he's younger too. Yeah. So you know they said fifteen years ago. So like this was their little crew. They're this running their around crew, yeah. doing vampire stuff. You know, it, it reminds me of I don't know if you remember at the beginning of our encounters with evil, they're chasing a vampire in a crate. Yeah. And they're and it's on a wagon. <laughs> and then when they finally get to it, it just says stab, stab, stab yeah. as they open up the crane That's story. good. You know, it's just like a fun little opening story that shows them doing their thing. Yeah. You know. Well, I was thinking of that story with all the, the bat guys. Oh, they all come down. Yeah, <laughs> and so I remember funny. when like the they were trying to shove this guy in a crate. Yeah. And then all his friends showed him, he's like, hey, hey, hey. Yeah. And he yeah. had this like look on his I just like that that one panel was just so funny to it me. It was good, yeah. I love this art style so much. We cut to the present time about fifteen years later. Who who wolge? Who wolge? Who remember this with the kettle and all that? And they start talking about uh, Falcon Spear. Right, that was the ending. That from was the ending of our encounters with Evil, and we were like, we were like "What, what, is what the fuck? What does this mean?" Yeah. Right. We see Van Sloan and Knox. They're now they're meeting with Meinhardt. We're picking up right at the end of that story, and they mention these postcards they've received that have the letters BK on them. Mister Knox says something nudged my memory, and Van Sloan says mine too. That's what it was. Something nudged their memory both at the same time. Yeah. About you know, so I don't know. That's cool. I like that. I just think it's neat. Meinhardt calls his butler, I guess, Mr. Tubhold. <laughs> oh, no. I love this because he's like, oh, Mr. Tubhold, it seems like we have received more than one. Of and then he just walks off. Wouldn't it be Tuppled? <laughs> tuppled, yeah, yeah. There you go. It would probably be Tuppled. Tuppled. If we're learning anything. Van Sloan says the stamp on the postcard is from Moldovana. But I think it's uh, probably a play on Moldova, which yeah, is a real place. Probably. Right? Knox tries to find it on a map. And they clear the table. I like this detail of how she has to clear, help him clear gotta, all his yeah, shit off the table. Yeah, get all the stuff out of the table. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's, just, so good. it's stuff that belongs on a table. I mean, it's not out of place on the table, but they do have to clear it. I like his little tray with the tea and yeah, all that stuff aw, on there. And sweet. Really cool. It's a good beat. It's a good character moment. Yeah. Where they just take a whole panel to do that. I love that. Because you would. Yeah. As they examine the map, Mr. Tuphold returns. So I thought this was so funny because... 
He just comes in. He slams the postcards on there. He just looks so angry at Meinhardt, and then he just walks off. They take four entire panels to do this. And when they when they, when he walks off, it's only one panel. He's storming away. But you get that he's storming yeah. away. He's walking very quickly and yeah. very heavy footed with vigor. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And it's just one panel, but yeah. they're you know they're able to convey that. God, it's, that's so they, good. He gets it across really well, and yeah, but also in like. His reaction to that, his face, so, <laughs> come on, man, like, what? Oh, but I love the surly butler. What I is love that? him. He's like, he's good at his job. He knows what Meinhardt's going to ask before he even asks it. And he's like, and then, but he's And just, he hates it. And he hates he it. He fucking hates it. <laughs> oh, yeah. He really hates his job. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. Anyway, I love that character. Just those couple panels of him. I was like, man, I get this guy's whole deal and I love it. He's Meinhardt has postcards too. They also say BK. And the group theorize what it could stand for. The Balkans is an actual place, but the other ones that they mention, Bartas Kranzi and Burgazi Bay, I couldn't find references for those. Those are probably just some fun little made up places, or maybe they're references maybe they're to real. Real, real places. We don't know. We're Americans. They don't teach us anything. Meinhardt says he will write to the university and look into it. We got Texas history. Do you remember Texas history? Oh, yeah. That's we all we to... got. They don't teach us actual history. Well, you do Texas history in middle school, and then you do U.S. history in high school. It's not actual U.S. history. Yeah. They don't teach you about, like, all the genocides that we did sure, for, yeah. uh, against Native peoples at all. Yeah. It's all just, yeah, it's horrible. They don't teach us anything. Please forgive us. We're so sorry. Well, I didn't even get Texas history. I was, like, in private school, so I got yeah. Even worse. Something. Yeah. <laughs> Even worse. Probably religious, just religion, just the Bible. I like that the um the train, the sound the train is making is mirroring the sound that the kettle was making oh, earlier. Oh, good job. I like I feel like sound design wise, if yeah. this was an animated um thing or a movie or something, that that would be a very specific shot of like the tea kettle or the train. Yeah. Both making that sound, both probably framed similarly. I think that that, you know, in my, like, because artistically, that's what they're doing here. And so in my mind, like, I heard it. Yeah, I yeah. Hear it. I like that. Yeah, it was cool. The trio are on the train. They're heading to the Black Seaport of Bedevoka. Uh, that's a made up place. Right? Bativoka. Bativoka, however you want to pronounce that. They're heading that way because that's the info Meinhardt got from the university. Falcon Spear was heading that way, pursuing some legal issue. But his last letter said that he was heading towards the Black Docks. Wow. Van Sloan says that she found information on, quote, the biter. Oh, no. Who locals believe <laughs> might be a vampire. They think Falcon Spear maybe went after her. What because, a name. Because they're like, look, he was going towards the docks. There's this rumor of this biter. So he probably went to go get the biter. The, locals, the locals came up with the biter. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Incredible. But if you think about it, I mean, if you didn't know what a vampire was. The guy's running around biting people. Yeah. <laughs> He's just biting people. The biter. I don't know. But there's been no word of him since then. My curiosity has grown to concern, Meinhardt says. I love that panel. The first time I actually read this, my curiosity has grown into concern. Yeah. I would like to just <laughs> have this panel framed on my wall. <laughs> they head to Ho Hotel Sepe. What Sepe. a shot when yeah. the uh, horse-drawn carriages are uh, yeah. arriving into town. The perspective and 
all of this, it's several point perspective and it's um, still in this kind of almost cubist style. Right. And it's just so fascinating, these pages. I, I just, I'm loving it. So um, I did look this up. It's Romanian for Onion Hotel. Onion Hotel? Yeah, I so. want to stay at the Onion Hotel. And it's supposed to be like the European countryside or whatever. So it could be, you know, that it could be a Romanian John, translation. I want to go stay at the Onion That's Hotel. Nice. Um, so they get a plan. They're going to get breakfast. Split up and get info. Meinhardt will check out the post office. Mr. Knox will check the docks. Van Sloan is going to check out a cafe in the lanes, which is often a term used to describe narrow streets with a bunch of shops. Mm, or the shambles. Yeah, most notably the Brighton lanes. And then they're all going to meet back for lunch. Mm. So I like this. They're having. They're going to have some breakfast. Yeah. They're going to go split up, and they're going to come back and have another meal together. They're going to pop down the shambles for a bit. They're going to yeah. go down the lanes, and then they're going to come back like for lunch they they do their work but they also have a good time with each other too you well, know and what it i mean also be oh, um, yeah. a way to kind of you know sort of feel get, out the feel out the so, town the social atmosphere exactly yeah. kind of you know almost a a vibe gathering <laughs> yeah <laughs> as it were yeah but i love these shots of the town i mean look at all the detail on the rooftops beautiful in this bottom panel just outstanding so lovingly rendered we cut back to them having lunch I um, like her, um, the brooch where a tie would be. Oh, yeah. I think that's a great look if you can pull it off. Oh, yeah. That's very nice. She oh, pulls yeah. it off, yeah. you know? Um, they all have some wine with their lunch. Yeah, a little bit of wine. That's nice. Yeah, I like that. Absolutely. As you as you do, as you would. It looks like the person behind Mary is getting a birthday cake. Oh, you're right. Aww. What a cute <laughs> little detail. I didn't even notice that. That's um, sweet. So they all share their findings. <laughs> Meinhardt found that the postcards were sent by Falcon Spear from this location, and the guy even remembered him. The postmaster reminds me of a certain someone from certain Van Gogh paintings. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's just me. <laughs> Van Sloan learned more about the biter. The biter. <laughs> and Mr. Knox met a man that knows a man that encountered the biter and also Falcon Spear. Wonderful. He says this guy Dolenton hangs so been, out. They've been fact finding. Yeah. Yeah. So this guy Dolenton hangs out at a tavern. So they're like, let's go check that out. We'll go check out the tavern. We'll have some more wine. I say, uh, coincidentally, the tavern, the tavern is also named Cafe Dolenton. Right. <laughs> oh, exactly. <yeah. laughs> okay. Well, it sounds like a good lead, doesn't it, Aubrey? You'd check that out, wouldn't mm -hmm. you? Yeah. I like the whole atmosphere of this little tavern. I love too, it. You know, we'd go in there. We would go in there. And the bartender, when they mention Dolenton, he points them to the parlor. When they enter this room, they find this old dude, Dolenton. I guess that's Dolenton, right? Dolenton? Yep. And he's scritching something into the wooden table, but you can't see what it is. It just no says scritch, scritch, right? No fate. <laughs> There's no fate but what we make for ourselves. I think you're looking for my master, he tells them. And uh, one little detail, there's a grandfather clock in the corner. It says TikTok. I love it. To kind of draw some of your attention towards that. Mindhearted Knox ask about Falcon Spear and then the biter. Oh no, not her, Dolenton says as he continues to scritch on the table. The bartender enters. He's got a little tray mm -hmm. with the drinks and all that. I like that. Mm -hmm. Dolenton continues to scritch. He says he can take them to Falcon Spear. I can show you what you need to see, he says. And asks them to meet him at midnight at the old custom house. Meinhardt's like, how can we trust you? You told us nothing. And he opens his hand to reveal Falcon Spear's ring. Mm. Midnight, he says, closing his hand around it. And then he reveals what he's been scritching. 
destroy him, it reads. Yikes. Ah, Meinhardt responds. He looks very <laughs> concerned. The facial yeah. expression on this man. Well, all of them too, you yeah, know. Yeah, but him especially, yeah. I feel he's so troubled. Yeah. I would just I just I feel bad for him. This weird guy Dolent and I like him. He's just such a weird little character. Yeah. Um there's, yeah. A lot, there's a lot of like weird little characters in these stories. I like uh, as they depart Coffee elsewhere, then, Meinhard says. We're getting coffee somewhere else. <laughs> We're getting out of this place. We're going somewhere else. All right, but, like, that's the first thing on his mind is, like... <laughs> yeah. You know, But he's so pleasant about it. I think that's what you're talking about, right? Because he's, like... Because they've just experienced this very sure, creepy, sure. unnerving thing. And he's, like... So, coffee elsewhere, Yeah, then, is what we're doing, <laughs> evidently. So, let's, uh, yeah. Back with Dolenton, there is a voice. Return it to me. From inside the grandfather clock, a hand comes out and takes the ring. But when it comes into the light, it sizzles. You see that? Or it's like burning or something. So that's interesting. And then he leaves Dolenton there. That last panel where it's just... Very resigned. Yes, exactly. But one of the things that they mentioned was, he said, meet me at the custom house. Mm -hmm. A custom house was traditionally a building housing the offices for a jurisdictional government whose officials oversaw the functions associated with importing and exporting goods. Yeah. So they're on the dock, right? Yeah. It's nearly midnight. We get these spectacular shots of the dock. You've seen the moon look like that with the clouds. Yeah. You've seen it. You yeah. know what it looks like. And it's, uh, yeah, amazing. What an incredible panel. I just love these shots. Like Down this, the docks. This one shot where you see like the edge of the dock. You know, and it's all the stone on yeah. the side of it. and Well, in the next panel is, uh, again, we've got the shambles. And I love the way that these have been, again, so lovingly rendered. Yeah. I keep saying that, but it's true. It's The details lent to the shambles is really provides a lot of texture to the story. And there's almost an entire page of no dialogue. It's just yeah. mood setting. Yeah, and it's it really just is. kind of getting you into this creepy night vibes which i oh, i adore it i love it this little sign all the detail on the little sign hanging over the entrance like with this the bird, bird the yeah little... yeah cool. i would go there if i saw a sign that just was that i would go in there you'd go in there wouldn't you the crew find dolenton in a red hood he asks them to follow him Meinhardt turns towards knox and van sloan are we quite ready for what van sloan asks Mm -hmm. <laughs> just a shrug, just a panel of him shrugging wordlessly. I love that. I thought it was fantastic. So, just a funny beat. That's like, another panel. We could just have that in a little frame on the wall, just him wordlessly shrugging. But in the, I was just like, I would like that panel on a t-shirt. It's yeah. good. It's good. I don't know if you recall, but in the other stories, they invariably always get their weapons taken away from yeah. them or stolen from yeah. them or something like that. There's even a part where. Meinhardt even tells Knox, our wits are what is going to yes. get us out of this. Yeah, I think that moment is very telling where he's like, I don't know, but I don't know. he's confident that their wits are what's going to get them out of it, you know? Yeah. And we've seen in previous stories that the three of them are very capable. Yeah. That beat is very well-timed. Yeah, it is. Are we ready for what? I don't know. It's Whatever. We're going to do it. It'll be fine. It, it's a comedic beat, but yeah. when you take it in the context of all three stories, it really lends with that character that yeah, he's just yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. don't know, but we're going to do it. Well, because the next panel is all three of them going right. forward towards whatever this is, and then we get another panel of that and another and another. So the next four panels right. after he shrugs is the three of them setting off into this adventure together. Yeah. So it's just as you say, yeah. they just, okay, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, we'll do it. 
one little detail that I liked is Van Sloan pulls her gun. Okay, so... She'll get you. She'll fucking get you. So they're walking with Dolenton in the Red Hood, and he approaches a certain part, and then he goes, Ugh! And then they're like, what's happening? She even pull, clicks he, her... He crumbles into into particles. Why? What happened? Mm. I, I, I don't understand this part. I thought it was funny, because as he's, like, melting or decaying... Well, he's pointing. He's pointing. Yeah. Um, but why does that happen? Is it because... Falcon Spear has some sort of power over him or something like I think that. It was just time for him to crumble into dust. John. <laughs> it was just time. We've all I, felt like that. We've all felt that way. Well, I kind of feel that way right now. I feel but, that way uh, right now. <laughs> it's time for me to crumble uh, into dust, boys. But I, I just assumed it was something to do with Falcon Spear, and maybe even Falcon Spear even saw that he'd written destroy him. Oh, the thing, right. You know? You're absolutely right, Aubrey. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And even though it is a very grotesque scene, it made me laugh. <laughs> it made me yeah. laugh a little bit. There's something about Warwick's style that it just lends some humor to these yeah. kind of scenes where a guy's eyes popping Even out when and it's his horrifying, jaws crumbling. It's not quite as dire as it would have been if it was realistically um, portrayed. They see James Falcon Spear. My dear friends, we are together again. It's been some time. I like this panel of the three of them. Yeah. looking at him right that's a great reaction shot and i like his uh his reintroduction into the story that's a that's a that's a cool hero shot it is yeah. you know of him just sitting there it's not really a hero shot because it's just it's a wide shot right it's a wide shot of all these stones and then him sitting there because normally wouldn't it be from just below him and he's right, very heroic yeah. looking but he's just sitting there yeah so i like that it's just a guy right you just get this sense of like this is their friend from a long time ago that or we saw. Or is it? Or is it? Yeah, exactly. But that's the thing is yeah. that the way it's set up is like, this could be any situation. We don't know what's happening. So I just thought that was an interesting choice. And then down at the bottom, we get more of a detailed. Right. As, as the situation is more detailed, we get more of a detailed character study. I don't yeah. know. It's just interesting. As Van Sloan approaches, he says to stay back. Before anything else, I have a testimony I wish you to bear witness to. You sent these, but wrote nothing, Van Sloan asks. Where have you been, Knox asks. Are you well, Meinhard asks. I like all those little beats right there. Yeah. They, they really do care about him. Falcon Spear says, I have something I dearly wish you to hear, an account of my recent life. It is important to me that you hear it, though you may not understand it at all. You are fine friends and the best people I know to hear and to judge what I will put to the record. So they all have a little seat there on the cobblestones. And we have a flashback to James Falconspear. He's doing some field work that he was going to write up at the university. He came to an area where he encountered a werewolf. I werewolf. like that panel, right? Where he's taking out this werewolf. To whom I saw with no little effort. The colors on that are spectacular. And I think we've talked oh, about yeah. this. I think we've talked about this too. Like Warwick does gore in a very kind of like cartoony fun way where you're not like necessarily grossed out about it but right. it's just kind of interesting and colorful and neat it's uh, almost like symbolic of what gore would be sure there you go afterwards falcon spear found himself in a community that was being tormented by another curse people had been disappearing and then their bodies were found defiled in the woods the people found no help from the authorities falcon spear continued to look into this and found more abused bodies the investigation led him to Baron Fonten. I love this panel of the reveal of Baron Fonten. If you kind of zoom in on that, um, there's some really cool masks. I can't, I can't zoom in, John. Oh, you're it's, looking at the hard It's a physical back. book. You have to push your face closer to I it. I will. 
don't worry, Daniel. I'll get you a magnifying glass. Okay, all right. But he's got like a he's got a cup of fire, and he's got like a some sigils on his. You know, like you do. All that kind of stuff. All those little details really. John, I know. Him. I always have a cup of fire and a and a big um a big medallion of sigils. You know, but a that one panel medallion uh, in the page. That one panel is colored drastically different than it the is, rest no, of it yeah, too. The, so it like it really stands out, you know. I almost feel like there would be a different musical beat absolutely. as you cut to it's that. It's much you know, warmer. It, yeah. Falcon Spear says tales of his dark reputation and lewd appetites were gossiped coarsely in whispers, and nervous fingers pointed towards his ancestral home. You don't have to talk about me quite so much. Jeez. <laughs> The most recent attacks were quite local to the Baron. The bodies decapitated and exsanguinated bore telltale marks of vampirism. I prepared myself and set to business to face the vampire at Conical Fontaine, Fontaine Manor. So uh, as he enters the manor, he comes across the kitchen staff. Again, I thought this was kind of funny, you know, that he pulls like the potato sack over this one guy and then just punks him, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. And then there's another guy, he gets him at gunpoint, and we see that he ties both of them up. He didn't really want to hurt the staff. so Hitting he, someone he, hard enough to knock them out is actually sure. really serious. <laughs> it's a serious injury. With this other weight staff, he just puts a statue in front of the door. Sure. So she can't get out. But again, it's just chock full of details if you look in there. The paintings. This little guy. We kind of saw this. Um, Down here. Yeah, yeah, the alligator, yeah. this weird lizard guy. <laughs> It's really fun. Um, I love all the little details in there. If you if you're able to zoom in on the digital version and look, I'll just, at all I'll that, just look real close, or just push your face into the into the comic. Falcon Spear says the place was filled with outre artifacts and occult knickknacks. Cool. It was a diabolical lair. I love a diabolical lair. And we have, some... we have kind of a diabolical lair going. Yeah, on there in you here. go. Is it filled with outre artifacts? Yeah, it is. <laughs> I could just say this over and over. All the little details yeah, in the manor are it. incredible. It's super good. I spent so much time just like yeah. scrolling through each panel one by one and just looking at everything that was in the background. But there's some great action shots as well as Falcon Spear like headbutts this guy. Headbutts are kind of dangerous too. Real you can bad. Really hurt yourself, no, yeah, right? don't. Do but it. it looks so cool in the comic here. And then this one maid lady, she just comes in with a giant long sword. I thought that was great. It sure does. <laughs> What made me laugh even more is how he takes her out. So he grabs a helmet and a mace, and then he puts the helmet on her and then hits it with the mace <laughs> over the helmet. Bonk. The whole entrance where he's, like, taking out the uh, the house staff is just, it's, it's quite hilarious, but also action-packed and awesome. Yeah, I mean, just like the horror, there's something about Warwick style that makes it fun to go through. It's not just like, nah, I'm just looking at an action scene. No, you know yeah. what I mean? Falcon Spear finds his way to Baron Fontaine's chamber, and he finds the Baron asleep, covered in blood. He's got wallpaper of just people doing it all over, right, and stuff like that. Okay. Very Greek. Yeah. Very Grecian. Yeah. Wallpaper. I like uh, that funky knife on his table. There you go. Where yeah. is it? Oh, yeah, it's a Chris. A K-R-I-S, a Chris. Oh, is that what it is? Chris knife? Yeah. It's like from Dune? Yeah. Is that from Dune? Is it from Dune? Yeah. Well, the, uh, the Chris knife from Dune were made out of the... Uh, Worm's teeth, so no, those probably, that's a, it's it not is. a Chris, that's a different thing. <laughs> okay, this is not the same. As this is that. not the same as that. No, it's, a, it's a twisty, curvy, woogledy googledy knife. Falcon Spear goes to stake to drive a stake into Fontaine, and his rosary beads spill out of his sleeve. But Fontaine's not affected by it, 
again, I think about the opening, right? We saw how the vampire in the opening was affected by the Bible. You know what yeah. I mean? So it kind mm-hmm. of sets some precedence that Fontaine should be scared when he sees the rosary beads, but he doesn't react at all. I think I know the confusion. So Chris Knife is in the Dune fandom is spelled C-R-Y-S, but a Chris Dagger is K-R-I-S space Dagger. Oh, okay. Two different things. So is that a Chris Dagger then? I suppose so. Because okay. it doesn't look like a fucking tooth of a giant <laughs> sandworm god. No, but does a Chris, <laughs> but does a Chris Dagger look all jaggedy? It's all curvy, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Well, then there you go. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I like how Falcon Spear like touches him. Yeah, because he Ugh. would he would still be warm. He would be, Ugh. and he's like, "You're alive." Yeah, Ugh. I don't like it. I don't like it. He pulls his gun on him. Such devilry. <laughs> You're a maniac. Are you possessed? Do you serve the devil? Well, I answer to no master, Fontaine says, and we cut to this mask. What's the mask about? I don't know. And I tried to see if I could find it in any other panels. Is it mood? I don't know. You know, well, he says I answer to no master, but then they show this. Is this the master master? or maybe I I, I don't know. But it it serves its purpose in providing that mood and providing that. I don't know. There's something evil about this guy. Mm. You know what I mean? I do like how. when Falcon Spare discovers that he's not a vampire, away goes the vampire weapons and you know, the uh, rosary. And he's just got a gun. Out, his gun. He's got yeah, a he's gun. Like a, he's like, he could pop a cap at him. I'll fucking shoot you. Sorry, this panel, especially right here, uh, where he pulls out the gun at the bottom of this page. Put some glasses on him. It looks like John. Oh, sure. Yeah. Not that you, you would literally <laughs> ever even touch or be holding a gun or be anywhere near a gun. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about like, his hair and his mustache and his the profile. Like you could just put some glasses on this guy. Yeah. I like how he's yelling. I like when they yell. Yeah, yeah. I don't know something about the way that they're drawn when they're yelling. You really get the emotion, right? Yes. He's yeah. horrified to yes. find out that this guy he's is. He's like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, he's just a regular guy who's doing all this. He's like, "Look, you're stuff. a murderer, but you're a guy, so yeah. I can't just shoot you." Exactly. I guess. <laughs> Falcon Spirit says that since Fontaine is mortal, he is subject to the rule of law and the proper instruments of justice. Good luck with that. Right. What the fuck? The house staff that he just beat up now confront him. They take his gun. Falcon Spirit pulls his knife against the butler, who also has a knife out, but the Baron stops him and he says, we mustn't give the gentleman justification to defend himself. Mm, so it's like if they attack yeah. him, is because now he, he will re- kill all of them in yeah. self-defense. But Fontaine also realizes, like, that's his weakness, too. That's his deal. His weakness is that he's trying to be upholding the law. Yeah. And if we give him a reason right. to, then the law tells him that he can attack us. We cut back to Falcon Spear telling his story. Well, he's like, I was unprepared for right. these events. Exactly. Were he dead, I could have destroyed him utterly. But alive, I could not be his executioner. I had to bring the matter before the law. So uh, we cut Paladin back to the story. style. Yeah. And they're like, show this principled gentleman out and let him set the hounds of justice upon us. Show and- this principled gentleman out. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. What a line. That's one of the best antagonist's lines. Right. I've ever fucking heard. Show this principal yeah. gentleman out. You don't even have the fucking balls to kill me. When he throws the gun out there and it like splashes oh, in the dirt. Oh, man. And then Falcon Spear looks down at it like, Ugh. he could have just shot him. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, I mean, you couldn't have. Why not? Because that's not it. You, yeah, I mean, like. He's a, by he's all, a horrible Yes, absolutely. Gentleman. No, by all, by all accounts, like that's. To you and I, obviously, when we're having this discussion, that would be, quote unquote, 
the right thing to do, but in the eyes of the law and justice, which doesn't fucking exist. Right. You know, probably. Because, like, people get away with shit all the fucking time. It's so fucked up. Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously, like, our whole shit is built on people getting away with fucked up shit all the time. So what does it matter? Just shoot him. Yeah. He I, deserves I, it, right? But, like, he he couldn't yeah, fucking do he it. He just couldn't do it. Yeah. He still believes in that horse shit. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And, like, when he's looking down, those two panels, like, you're right. When he, the gun is thrown out and he's looking down at it. He still fucking believes in that shit. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, you know, do you get the feeling that he might be questioning why? Right. And we next get a series of panels of Falcon Spear contacting different authorities who all dismiss his concern about the Baron. It appears Fontaine had an old wealthy uncle that was protecting him from scandal. Mm. With these men at the reins, the wheels of justice were steered away from those terrible crimes. So I want you to take note of these guys. So, yeah. you know, um, the guy in the middle panel with the white uniform and then the guy next to him in that next panel in the chair uh, and then the wealthy uncle. I want you to take notes of what those characters look like anyway. It'll come back later. Okay. Back in the present, Falcon Spear is talking to his friends. I like this one panel where Knox is going to say something and then he just looks at Falcon Spear looking dejected and then he just decides not to. Like, yeah. what was he going to say? And it, it it's like, it doesn't matter. He wanted to to help. Yeah. It's one of those situations where... There's nothing where, you can say. Yeah, it's one of those situations where you want to say something to help, but you're not there to help. You're there to listen. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there is nothing that you could well, say. Well, you know that there's nothing you could right. say that would make the situation better. You can't improve this by saying words. I just like, that's a moment that would happen amongst friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or amongst someone that you cared about. You can almost hear the sigh leave his body. You can yeah. almost like see him start and then just. Yeah. <laughs> he becomes so deflated. So Fontaine was able to continue to sate his diabolical appetite. The villagers thought he was a supernatural menace. The mutilated bodies continued to be found, and Falcon Spear kept finding him outside of Fontaine's mansion, trying to figure out how to lock away his nobler instincts. So Falcon Spear came up with a solution. He went to find the Black Dock's biter. Mm. We see Falcon Spear meeting up with Dolenton in the Red Hood. That was the guy that was helping him, right? So now it's all now his backstory is starting to come together. So Falcon Spear confronts the biter, and when she's going to come give him a big bite. He pulls down his collar, and then when she does, he knifes her, right? Nice. So he becomes a vampire, but he also takes her out, too, so she can't continue to do whatever. I thought he was going to, I mean, when I first started reading, he's like, oh, he's going to capture this vampire and set it loose in the castle. Oh, right, yeah. But then when he opens up his collar and his, reveals his chest and shit, I was like, oh, Oh, no, dude, no. Yeah. Dark Paladin. Dark Paladin, there you go. We also get that little gadget where the knife drops out. You yeah. know, they come back to that as, like, his signature weapon. Yeah. At last I was free to do what needed to be done. Freed from the moral constraints of my humanity, I could rid the world of the damnable Baron. Uh. I like how they stand up when they realize yeah. what yeah. he's saying. Like, all of a sudden they're like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because... Up until then, he just looked like a regular guy, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yep. But in this last panel, he's got fangs. Well, it's not just fangs. It's he's got an entire horrible 
way about it. It's not human what he does with his face and his mouth. Like, that's not a a human couldn't do. No, well, I don't think they're seeing that. I think that's from when he when he that's what i'm saying we are seeing that oh, we're seeing like that. we're looking at how inhuman yeah. he's become and it's yeah. not just fangs it's like a whole fucking transformation it's it's right. horrific and so yeah like but to them to them they see the fangs they but see like the yeah. Fangs, yeah but i like that we're privy to this this one panel of like he's a fucking monster yeah now he's horror now he's like a horror yeah Yeah. to them he is just chilling with fangs and that's cool i think that's cool but like i like that one panel of just like oh (sighs) oh man yeah he's making those underworld sounds yeah he's doing that when they're all he's getting all his blood emails (laughs) all at once we cut to falcon spear outside the manor let me in and I will let you go, he yells. Because now he needs permission to go inside because he's a vampire. No. Right? That's part of the... Ne le fait pas. Inside we see the kitchen staff. No, don't do it, one says to the other. I like French. how casually yeah. he says it, though, and then he does the little... He makes fangs, fangs with his fingers. The... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's... That made me laugh so fucking hard. It's yeah. so good. Because he is. He's so casual. He's like, no. And he like yeah. tells him, like, no. <laughs> don't fucking do it. Because of this. His expression is very chill. Because you would be if you'd if you'd lived there long enough. Sure, you'd be like yeah. Very. What a French reaction. Yeah. yeah. To that, just being like, no, mm, don't do it. Falcon Spirit notices an open window, and so he just reaches in there with his knife, and he just stabs the French guy. I'll do through it through the gra- window. No, no. He grabs the knife from the belt of the guy. Yeah. Oh, and right. Him with it. Wow. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. He's got super vampire arms powers. Right, and like probably quick, super quick reflexes mm-hmm. and stuff. He's got, oh, you know what he's got? From uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, from uh, the uh, Coppola. Yeah, when he the does long the yarms. big yarms. Yeah, yeah. long yarms. When he, he, grabs, he grabs Keanu. That's Dracula powers, right? Does he have Dracula powers or he's just a monster? I think it's like that's the stagecoach guy, but that's yeah, what I'm saying the stagecoach guy. Powers. Does he have Dracula powers? I'm sure he does. Okay, yeah, Dracula. He's he extends the powers to the exactly, stagecoach yeah. driver. Okay, right on. Well, that's what I'm saying is that's what that is. Yeah. Okay. So the other kitchen staff guy, he's like, "Go, go in. I let, I you, let you in. in. You're, You're welcome. welcome." But instead of letting him go, like he said he would, Falcon Spear kills him too. He just he just turns him into paste yeah. by running into him super fast. <laughs> That's dark. And he's like, and I have let you go. Yeah. That is that is he that is, is grisly. He's truly lost all his yeah. humanity, right? Is that steam coming off of him? Oh, you're right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because the blood was just suddenly exposed to the yeah. cool night air. All the inside of that guy's body. Uh. Yeah, that's a gory detail that is that is grim when falcon spirit enters the manor there are even more staff members but he dispatches them all in his vampire rage well and he's um he's uh he's just become a vampire so he's um he's got a lot of you know new vampire energy is right, that a thing is right. that a thing sure i'm sure it is what he's yeah. got the he's got the the bloodlust or something and all the panels are red you know for those parts where he's like killing all these guys yeah. Um, the panel that really struck me was where he's holding that guy above. Up in the air? Yeah. And the intestines are coming Same. down and stuff like that. Well, in his was... face, he's like a big, he's yeah. just all mouth and yeah. jaws. Yeah. He bites this one guy right in the head. Right in the head. Right in the skull. <laughs> right. Right on the um, top yeah. of his noggin. When he finally confronts the Baron, Fontaine pleads for his life. 
I won't do it anymore. I won't harm another soul. I won't let you kill me. The Baron shoots Falcon Spear, but he's unaffected. He's like, nah, mate. You're you're bashed. You're bashed. Crunk. Falcon Spear impales Fontaine with his arm. Okay. He just runs him through. Yeah. I feel like he ripped his heart out or something. Probably. Oh, did he? We, yeah. don't, get to, we Probably. don't get to really see that detail. I like how in this second attack on the on the manor, the first one is kind of comical, you know? He's like trying not to hurt them and all this. But this time it's very horrible. Yeah. People are just it's... getting fucked up in the most horrific ways. It's, 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 wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, Aubrey. Thanks for bringing that up. He's um, just running through them. One thing we didn't talk about was the Baron's bedposts. He's got big bird bedposts. That's a great detail. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. He's a shitty guy, but the, the bedposts are Excellent nice. bedposts. There were several loose ends that needed tidying up, Falcon Spear continues, and we see him take out all those authorities. Mm. Those are those guys that I pointed out earlier. Yeah. Right? The wealthy yeah. uncle and those other guys, right? Yeah, the ones that were keeping uh, the Baron safe. Yeah. It's okay for me to murder them now that I'm a horrible creature. Right. Yep. It wasn't okay when I was not a horrible creature. That's interesting. Right. Interesting. But he's like, there were these loose ends that needed tidying up. Yeah. Even myself, as it turned out. Hence the track that led you here. <sighs> so he's like, I'm a loose end now, too. I wanted it to be you. Right. And so we <sighs> see... We see him writing the postcards that say BK. This was something I didn't really figure out. What does BK mean? I'm not sure. It's probably just to get their um, their minds rolling in their imaginations, trying to figure out the thing. You know, try I mean, to trying to to put it into a mystery for them, so that way they'll be intrigued by it. I guess. Or yeah, we cut back to the present time where Falcon Spear is telling the story to the trio. You were asking for help, James. Meinhardt says, "What have you done to yourself?" Van Sloan asks. I could not live knowing what the creature was doing while I was as powerless as I was. An honorable man? A human being, Knox asks. Right? So he says powerless, but they're like, no, you weren't powerless. You were an honorable man. You were a human being. That's not powerless. You know what I mean? I thought that that was a, a nice little moment. You know what I mean? This was a situation where this guy was like, this guy's got to be fucking stopped. Right. But he didn't feel empowered to just straight up kill the guy. So he was like, I know what I'll do. I'll become just as evil, if not more so. Right. I'll become more evil than this guy. Yeah. So that it's okay for me to kill him. And they were like, maybe not. Maybe you could have just taken him out and then sorted it out later. Right. <laughs> so. Right. <laughs> maybe history would have sorted that out for you. Who knows? You know? Maybe you would have been given a parade. You don't know. Like, so it's just an interesting, it's weird to think about. It's interesting. I mean, not to get super dark. I guess it is Halloween times, but. Yeah. There have been instances in the news or in history that I've seen where somebody has taken it upon themselves yeah. to take out someone that did someone wrong uh -huh. or did somebody else wrong. And usually, if they go before a jury, the jury's like, nah, you're cool. That does happen sometimes. Yeah. And you know what? I'm actually okay with it in a lot of those situations because it's like you say, it's a yeah. like not to get super dark, but there are situations where maybe the father of a child. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. And of. the child, something really super horrific. Ha yeah. Somebody did something very bad to that child. And maybe the father said, I'm going to shoot this man and then did. And the jury was like, we're okay with that's it. That's fine. You're yeah. free to go. So, and I'm okay as a society. I feel like sometimes we're just okay with that. So, yeah, 
you know? But but that's what that made me think of. I'm doing a like, lot of shrugging right now. You can't see it, but I am. <laughs> You're doing like Meinhardt in that previous I am. panel. Yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, th- I was thinking about that a lot because it, in that first scene, if he had just shot him. Just, sh- just shoot him. What what yeah. would have happened? I guess he's also a dark skin. Who would have complained he, about that in that small town? Well, but he's also, he's a dark skinned man yeah. in the 1800s or whatever. So yeah. there's that too. I don't know. You know, he's trying to uphold sure. the law or whatever, but I'm like, you probably would have been all right. You probably didn't have to make yourself an undead monster. <laughs> you probably could have either just like, why don't you contact your friends and then they all come together and help you figure the situation sure, out. That's why the contact them after yeah. you're a monster? Yeah. And it's too late that yeah. now that you're, you know what I mean? I don't know. I feel like there's a different way. So, yeah, like sometimes we're okay with murder in certain situations as a society. And I feel like this is probably one of those situations where the townspeople would have been like, we're all right with it, actually. Right, you right. did us a favor. Yeah. <laughs> this guy needed to be taken out. You should like, he, he needs to go. Right. So I don't know. Yeah. This whole thing, that was a bit dramatic. Yeah. He didn't need to do all that. But what now that he is dead, Van Sloan asks. What of you, James? I'm dead too, he says. But how will you go on? She looks determined. Yes. There, and I, you know, I like that little moment where he's like, how will you go on? And it cuts to her, and she's like, "This is not going right. to end well. We're well, gonna have to fight this guy." And and she's got the little gadget. She's too. got a gadget. So that's another yeah. little story beat that I liked because we only see him do it. Yeah. But she's got. She one learned too. it from him. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I learned. Yeah. It, yeah, I learned it from watching you. He was like, "I learned it from watching you, Dad." <laughs> I have found a way, dear friends. I've learned to like it. Mm, but no. just then, she's she's done with this. She's had enough. He comes after Meinhardt first, though. He would, yeah. because he's the one that's going to be the most hesitant right. to do anything. Sure, you're right. She doesn't hesitate at no, all. No, no. She does exactly what he did to that vampire in that opening scene. Yeah. He immediately pulled mm-hmm. out his knife and chopped off the head like without even thinking about it. Well, and they all get after it. They all get after it right. now at the same time here. Well, I like how Meinhardt's They're like, a well-old machine. They're a team. Yeah. They're working as a team. But Meinhardt's also like, mercy. Because he's like, yeah. this is his friend. They're having to do this too, you it know? It sucks. But it is. it has just become a routine to them. They quickly move into move into action. And all the red in the background of those panels just makes it, just ramps up the action yeah. even more. It's like you have this physical memory. Right, it's, yeah. It's like you have this trained... Sort of, you just go into automatic mode. Yeah, yeah and, you, and you sort of—it's like when you're when you're—you've you, told me this before. When you're playing the drums, you sort of have to zone out, or you'll fuck it up. Right. So they're like they're seeing that this used to be their friend, but they can't stop and think about it. So they just—they just do. They're it. acting, and right. then as they're doing it, he's he's like, "Oh man, this fucking sucks." Yeah. But it's muscle memory. Yeah, it's yeah. muscle memory at that point. They're working as a team. They're doing muscle memory, and then they. They'll have all the time in the world later to think about how fucked up it was, right. but they have to jump into action here. And I just, ah, uh, it was very, ugh. like you said, he goes, mercy. Yeah. Even while they're doing it. When he hammers the stake in, boom, we see Falcon Spear's head kind of like exclaim there. I thought that that was a really cool shot. Oh, but one thing, one little detail, when they're hammering the stake in on the previous panel, we see a card drop mm-hmm. out of Falcon Spear's jacket. a little jacket. note, a handwritten note. And so they pick it up. It says, Professor, Miss Van Sloan, Mr. Knox, goodbye, dear friends. Goodbye, dear friends. JF. Jeez. Yeah, and they just look at the card. They're all covered in blood and everything. His blood. Yeah. I like that panel of him reaching down to get it in all the black, you know, yeah. the way that 
Johnson Cadwell has done the black around it is I they don't know. keep it organic the it, in exactly the, the inking yeah. style yeah and once again like I like how like this scene where they where they take out Falcon Spear kind of mirrors the scene at the very beginning where they took out that one vampire whereas that one was kind of comedic yeah this one is their friend and so oh, it's, yeah. it's just sad and it's just like yeah yeah they, they 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 do go into their muscle memory they know exactly what to do but it's still like you know it does directly mirror that but way different vibes yeah yeah oh yeah. great observation yeah yeah, yeah no sh- oh that's yeah wow you've got the hardback in front of I you Danielle. i do have the hardback in front um of me. describe some of the sketchbook sections so this is one of the things that's like some i don't good think action shots uh, you don't some good like you don't have pose. the you don't have the sketchbook section in your version do you aubrey yeah, there's no sketchbook section at the end of yeah, this. Yeah, because I have the digital version, but in the library edition, there is a nice sketchbook section. Uh, take us through that a little bit, Danielle. So Warwick Johnson Cadwell is uh, talking about James Falconspear. says, James Falconspear is another character who has a lot more story than has appeared in these pages. It's a sort of genre where all sorts could still happen, but I hope to make characters that people are intrigued by. And so there's some cool like action shots of him, and uh, there's one where he's just in repose, and there's just... um. Just some really interesting little studies, little character studies here. Oh, of, of the Baron the and Dolenton. Monsters and various, like, the staff in the castle and whatever. And so. Those are a lot of fun. Really fun. Super good stuff. And then there's a really, another action shot of him. Um, yeah, I think there's, like, some pinups in there of the different characters. Very cool. Yeah. They've been recast in this sort of sepia tone oh yeah that's nice which i like and then lastly we get the Uh, black and whites of the three mignola covers for this series what a good hard cover collection oh yeah it's beautiful really beautiful um but i love this uh i've I've fallen in love with warwick johnson cadwell and his whole whole style his whole deal um it's really amazing so we had mr higgins comes home our encounters with evil and then Falcon Spear. What, what did you think of these? Or uh, what did you think of Falcon Spear compared to the others? Or Very sad. Yeah, it did. Super it, sad. It, it, that, that is one thing. High drama. I, I thought was interesting because. But I don't, good, but very good. I, I don't think Mignola had a writing credit for the second one, Our oh, Encounters with Evil. Interesting. Which I thought was a lot more fun mm-hmm. and lighthearted. And, and then this we one. We know he, Mignola. He likes to get you right in the. This one does have a Mignola writing credit. And it is. Yeah, it does get yeah, you get right ya. in it. You know. He likes Wait, to get you. In, in the one that I have, it just says that it was based on characters by Mignola and Johnson Cadwell. But it says the story art and colors were by Warwick Johnson Cadwell. Oh, okay. So I guess maybe I was uh, wrong when I put. I, I guess I. On Dark Horse, on the official Dark Horse release, it says written by Mignola and Johnson Cadwell. Interesting detail. But, yeah, okay. Okay. Thanks okay, for well, pointing that also, out, Aubrey. Okay, but in the uh, the little part where it lists publication thing, it says names, Mike Mignola, or Mignola Mike, author, Johnson Cadwell, work, author, artist. Maybe because... Um, they had to have collaborated in some... Maybe because Mignola came up with the characters. And then, and then Johnson Cadwell's like kind of doing his own thing with them. I wonder, you know? maybe we could... Could we ask him? Yeah, that would be ask good. Him. I would like to know. Oh, and another thing is um, the cover of the library edition is oh, really nice right, too. Yeah. It incorporates elements of all the stories that we've read. It does. Um, how did you feel after coming out of this one, Aubrey? Like it starts off, it's just kind of humorous and all that. And then like... As soon as he like pulls down his collar, he just takes a dark ass turn. I love how upsetting well, it was. I guess yeah. I, just, I guess it takes a dark turn when he realizes that the guy's human and not a vampire. But it just yeah, it just kind of everything just kind of shifts. You're like, what the fuck? What and, do you do then? 
I mean, it, it's a really good story. The artwork is just, I mean, I love his artwork. It's just amazing, oh, yeah. you know? Super good. Uh, seems like it can incorporate humor and um, horrific stuff, but it's also not graphic horror. It's just more of like a, uh, I don't know, a well, feeling it is, of it is, but despair. It's very, and, yeah. It's very stylized. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, there is a lot of despair. You're right. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, and I think as a whole, it really works. If you have a chance, you know, just go back and go through all of them. I'll link the other episodes in the show notes if you want to revisit our episodes on Mr. Higgins Comes Home and Our Encounters with Evil. But uh, ah, I just loved it. I thought this was a great way to cap off our Halloween times. Nice spooky story with all of our monster elements, but still fun. You know, still fun. And I love this team. I hope we get to see more from Professor Meinhardt, Mr. Knox, and Mary Van Sloan. Um, oh, I'd love to. It, it would also be cool and kind of bittersweet to see a, an adventure with them in Falcon Spear when back in the day. I loved, I loved yeah. the high drama, you know, the crux of this story where it all comes to its inevitable conclusion of like, you know where this is going. Right, They're right. going to have to kill their fucking, what used to be their friend. Yeah. Or yeah. whatever. The buildup was so spectacular and so, yeah. It it starts off as this like jaunty well, adventure, and then it ends up as this what the fuck? Like they're they're that's a silent yeah. that's a silent horse drawn carriage ride back to wherever the fuck they're sure, going. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, I just had a thought though because Falcon Spear he sent them there to kill him. Yes, yeah, no, I said that so, before though. So like when he comes at them at the end, yeah, could it be that? He did that to make it easier for 100%. them. One hundred percent. Right. Yes. I don't know. Or he was... always planned. Why he wrote that note ahead of time? Yeah. He wanted them to be the ones to take him out. Right. He, they're right. the only ones yeah. he could trust to, to fucking do it. Right. Yeah. But when he says, "I learned to like it," and goes after Meinhart, like, is he really in a bloodlust, or is no. he creating a scenario so that way they can just be Absolutely. over with it? One hundred percent. That's just a thought I think... that I had right now. What do you think, Aubrey? I think that he really kind of is in the bloodlust, but he is hoping that they will kill him. Uh, but he, you know, I, I think it's think it's like he would have been like, okay he, with he shredding that guy because he's evil. Yeah, but um, he sure. wants them. Yeah, he wants them to kill him, but he also would have been perfectly fine with slaughtering them. I don't right. think but he I, particularly I, cares about killing them. I think it, the yeah. object of that meeting is for them to kill him, but he will. Go after them and not care if they are shredded for sure. Well, there was that yeah. part where he told Van Sloan, come no further. Yeah. So I think maybe he well, was even like, he knows. I, I'm going to. He's in control. I, I'm going to lose it, but it, but I might lose it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, if you come too close, I won't be able to. Sure. You know, contain. Yeah, exactly. I won't be able to contain the vampire rage or whatever, the bloodlust. The purpose of that meeting was for them to kill him mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. 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 But, but. That being said, as like I don't think Van Sloan would have hesitated in the slightest. She's already dropping no. that knife out for sure, and like he's ready to lunge, and she just. But he knows off. that they're the only ones he can trust right. to get that yeah. job yeah. done do without it. him doing any further damage or committing any more murders. I don't know. I just think like there. I don't think there's a right answer. Or it's wrong high answer drama. That. That's why it's. That's why but, it's but, so good. Yeah, but it makes you think. You know, it, it makes you think about involved. it. Because there's friendship involved. Yeah, there's friendship and there's so a history there. Up. Wow, I love it. It's great. Yeah. So good. Awesome. Mm. Great discussion on that. I really enjoyed that. I'm glad you guys did too. I'm excited to hear what our listeners thought and let us know um, you, uh, your autumnal 
recommendations. Let us know what stuff that you watched for Spooky Time. I hope that everybody had a happy Halloween and is doing some cool stuff, having some fun times. I hope you're eating just some delicious soups. Have some soups. I thought you were going to say candy. Eat some delicious candy also. candy, but it's also soups time. Okay. Yeah. Let us know what your favorite Halloween candy is. What's your favorite Halloween candy really quick before we wrap up? Mm, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. That's what I was going to say, too. I also like Reese's Pieces. What about you, Aubrey? I like those little bitty squares of candy bars, like Snickers and Three Musketeers. It's like the one bite kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Those are really good, too. Just like a tiny, the smallest Twix you've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. And now Aubrey's going to say all the things. That was Falcon Spear, everybody. Uh, I want to know your thoughts. And it's like, hey, you damn guys at bookclubmembercomics at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at bookclubmembercomics and on Twitter at bookclubmembers. And as always, you can find all of our resources on our Podbean website, our Facebook About section, and our link trees on Instagram and Twitter. Hold on a second. (laughs) (laughs) The bird clock strikes again. Literally, the the mm-hmm. clock is striking. As always, a thank you to Paul from Dr. Harn for the listener feedback theme. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Hey. Uh, thank you, Only Beast, for the theme theme. You are so welcome. The main theme. So I don't know why welcome. I call it the theme theme. The main theme. You're so welcome. <laughs> it's the theme theme. Logos are by Ross Radke and yeah. banners by Matt Strackbine. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Yeah. And as always, you can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. And when you're there, open it up and give us that five-star review. Every little bit helps. And if you're enjoying what you're hearing, tell a friend. Have them join the book club. Everybody wants to be a book club member. Do it! Next week, we're going back to Harrow County with Mark Tredell and reading Abandoned Part 1. So you guys know what to do. Pull out them digitals, omnis, trades. I don't know. Scry it in a bowl of water and see if it pops up at you. (laughs) And join us next week at book club member comics thanks for listening everybody i'm john salinas i'm crumbling into dust and i'm Aubrey lola saying my curiosity has grown into concern i love it happy halloween everybody happy halloween